Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being back with us here it is episode number 197 and we are here on monday october the 19th 2020 to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again and start your week right and i am joe Murata. as always i'm joined by michael quinn how you doing michael can you believe, Quinn, that we are just three episodes away from the big bicentennial of OVP? The bicentennial, yes. It's pretty nuts. There's there's parks and rec departments getting ready for it and there, stuff like that. There's all sorts of preparations and, and planning going don't on. Don't drop the garbage. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more cleanup this year because yep. of the bicentennial. You right. Know. Clean up after your dog and things yeah, like yeah. that. You have to be careful. The parks are on high alert. <laughs> yeah, very and high alert. There's going to be a lot of people there on uh, you know whenever our episode is. A few weeks from now, but you know what? Speaking of high alert, I want to alert you of our Twitter. If you haven't followed us there yet, you can. It's at OVP Podcast. We post drama-free wrestling clips every single day, at least a dozen clips of on-this-day type of stuff, the obscure, the sublime, the common. So much free drama. <laughs> Pepsi-free drama. <laughs> you got to pay for it, kid. Yeah. Uh, follow us there on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. But Michael. Yes. You know this. I do. Tell the fans about it. There's a place to talk to you and me, but not just the two of us. Hundreds upon hundreds of retro wrestling fanaticals. Where yeah, is that? Over at uh, Facebook.com slash 1776. Right. It's a good site about Bicentennial. Right, it's exactly. Incredible. It, it uh, really is. Yeah, they have search bars, too. What, yeah. do, you, what do you do? Uh, you drink these? there? No, no, no. You go to these search bars and you type with a keyboard. You have to use a keyboard specifically. Like a piano. Yeah, our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, board, kaflui, bicentennial, (laughs) revolutionary war, whatever. Yeah, Sam Adams. Yeah, Sam Adams. Something like that. (laughs) Oktoberfest, like whatever. It's all there. Anyway, you you type that in, you search, the results come up, you say join, and you're in. And that's it. There's one rule, one rule only that we ask you to agree to when you join the group. What is it, Michael? Uh, Don't be a dingus. Don't be a dingus. Right. What does that mean? It means don't be a dingus. Right, exactly. No explanation needed. <laughs> Just don't be mean. No dingus, dingersy? Dingusry. Dingusry? Right. No dingusry. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, uh, what you do over there on this group, folks, is you talk about retro wrestling. You do it in the way where you can talk about anything you want. WWF, ECW, WCW, AWA, if you're Ruben Vasquez. Ask your questions, spark debate, whatever you want to do. But the main thing is just be nice to each other about it. You don't have to agree upon everything, but just be nice. That's all. No personal attacks. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, That's over on Facebook. And also the quick plug for Patreon. We do have one. We do that to give you guys extra content if you want to support us. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And what you're going to find there is every WWF pay-per-view reviewed in order in that OVP style that you like. Uh, Whether you've been listening to us for a few weeks or maybe a few years. You'll like the extra stuff, and if you want to support us, it's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. WrestleMania 7 is out right now. It may be our longest one. It's like over four and a half hours. Uh, yeah, I think it, it is. It, it's a long-in. But, a uh, long-in? It, it's a long-in. Man, I'm just making up words today. Well, you're good at doing that, yeah. Quinn. You know, these indescript things yeah, that you talk about. Very indescript <laughs> making up words. Yes. Long-in. 
And also, if you have iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you want to leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. But Quinn, this season, we mentioned we're counting down to the Bicentennial. Right. And we wanted to kind of give back to our fans who have supported us, whether it's been for a year, two years, three years, four years, however long. 200 years. 200 years that you've yeah. been with OVP. We've been taking your questions, your topics for discussion here in our opening segment. And we bring in our mail sack and we bring in our doobie boy, the guy that carries it in the there intern for the us. Blast. I see him coming up <laughs> the stairs right there. There he is. This is the segment we call Ask OVP. Hello, young man. Yes, bring it on in. Bring can it on in. Can you get it closer? Get it close to Quinn I, this I, time. I can't reach it. He's going <laughs> to pull the envelope. I'm pulling it out. Okay. Okay, there. I'm handing can, can it, you to hand you. it to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, doobie, get out of here. Doobie. Thank you very much, doobie. Yeah. All right. So this episode, we are taking a question. Ah, Peter, Ke- Peter Kemba over there in the UK, I believe. If you're not, I'm sorry, but I think you are. <laughs> Peter Kimberquin has a great question for us to open up. Oh, does he now? He does now. It is, what would have become of Vince McMahon? You heard of him? Yeah, very famous man. <laughs> very famous man. Famous McMahon. <laughs> if he lost the war, what would he have promoted next? And would he ever have had success at anything else? Stephanie just may take a ride on the whole uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe Short a answer. chain of used car companies. <laughs> I don't know. So obviously the war that uh, Mr. Kimber is referring to here is not the Revolutionary War. No, no. Which we like to talk about a lot on this Bicentennial podcast. <laughs> yes, there. evidently so. Yeah. Uh, no, not that. He's talking about, of course, the Monday Night Wars. You know, the ongoing battle for sports entertainment supremacy. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. That, that guy who Remember? says that. Very melodramatic. Yeah. Ted Turner is WCW. Ted Turner was a piece of shit <laughs> Mr. Man was a beautiful man, like whatever he said. You he know represented I mean? the common man, and he yeah. would never hurt anyone. Yeah. Ted Turner's WCW took on Vince McMahon's WWE for rating supremacy at the risk of extinction. Calm the fuck down. The Monday Night War, obviously, we know what that is. If you're listening to the show, I'm sure you do. It was fought between WCW and WWF uh, from 95 until Vince McMahon bought the competition, thus ending the war. And really, when you get down to brass tacks here, mm-hmm. or maybe tacks on the T, if you will, if we're if we're going that direction, tax made of copper. Yes, copper tax. Yeah, all it is is a freaking television show that was on at the same time for a while, and that, everyone made a big deal about that. It tends to happen a lot when you have, um, you know, like forty, fifty channels or whatever it is, like you know, hundreds of channels. If we're really being, there's honest. a lot of things on at the same time. Right. Like I mean, sometimes like Clarissa explains it all would be on, and then like Eyewitness News would be on on the other channel. I'm Bill Butel. They're they're competing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And obviously these two, you know, promoted the same product, wrestling. There have no doubt been many great wrestling events presented by the World Wrestling Federation through the years. And when you promote wrestling and you're on at the same time, uh, you know, people tend to make a big stink about that. That might be happening to this day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, there, there's also speaking of news. I mean, when the news comes on at six or whatever, yeah. there's a. Uh, you know, like four other ones. Right. And they, they, it's not like a war. You got your NBC. Yeah. You got your CBS, your ABC. Then you got CNN. Yeah. You got all this news all at the same time, but nobody seems to complain. <laughs> it's like, how dare they put the same thing on at the same time? <laughs> but Vince complained. Right. Because Vince McMahon's philosophy, obviously, that he would never, he has never done anything to hurt anyone else. Ted Turner's business philosophy, moreover, was let's go hurt, you know, my competition. My business philosophy is much different than that. You know, my business philosophy is let's help us. 
Remember that time he put the Survivor Series on at the same time as the the uh, Starcade? Yeah, or that one time where he made this event out of nowhere called the Royal Rumble and put it on against Bunkhouse Stampede. Remember that? Yeah, yeah remember that? Yeah, yeah, he would never hurt anyone, though. Right. And obviously, history is wit- written by the winners. And Vince McMahon did buy WCW, as we all know. He bought his competition. He, he bought the competition. But the question here for Mr. Kimber, thank you, Pete, is uh, what would have become of Vince if he lost the war? I guess losing the war, though, Quinn, would entail what? His company WCW went out of business? buying him? Yeah, but how would it go out of business is what I want to know. Let's well, start with that. Well, there's, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, they could have just said, you know what, we like promoting IRS and the Million Dollar Corporation <laughs> into, like, 1999. And then... They wouldn't have existed past like 1998. But what I mean mean is, would he have closed his doors or would he have sold to Ted Turner? Um, That's what I'm getting at. Because I can't see Vince McMahon at that period of time doing that. Here's the thing is that I think both companies, if they had failed, they would have whoever the loser was would have probably been pretty low valued because who wants a wrestling company that nobody watches well like, yeah obviously be, that's why Vince bought WCW to be fair um, WWF probably had a little bit better of a tape library to sell to oh, be fair yeah. merchandise um, in general a lot of stuff like uh, that maybe they would have been a little bit more valued than the WCW but it's not like the WCW say they bought them it was the other way around yeah it's not like they didn't have the money to uh, spend even if it was like one billion dollars or yeah. whatever the hell and it's not like they didn't have the money to spend See, it's a tough question, Quinn, because I can't see Vince ever selling during that period of time. Yeah, I really I, can't. I think well, he would have if, if went a, back to fucking Poughkeepsie and Allentown and Hamburg if he had to. Yeah, but it, it all Seriously. depends on uh, what your uh, debt situation is with Citibank or whoever your <laughs> loans are coming from. Yes, yeah, Citibank. I mean, it, 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 there comes a point, even with Vern, you know, once they couldn't, they couldn't use the Minnetonka house anymore, there's like, well... You know, I'd like to keep doing this, yeah. but I literally don't have the money to do it. All anymore. I have is Brad Reingans. <laughs> yeah, I have Brad Reingans, and, and, and there's not a lot of banks that accept Brad, Brad Reingans. So. As currency? Yeah, exactly. No, not, not many. My name is Brad Reingans. I'm a former Olympian and uh, former Olympic coach, and I did wrestle professionally, and I still am. Now, uh, you say you're an Olympian. When was that? Who cares? So I guess what would he have promoted next? I don't know, but I mean, look, I know that Vince has always fancied himself as this blue collar because he's from North Carolina, right? And he ha- and we covered this recently. He did have a really hard childhood, and I'm not going to take that in away the from army him. or something. He that- went to some kind of military school, right? And I understand that. So he always viewed himself as kind of this rebel, this underneath guy fighting the corporation. I get all that, but f- at somewhere along the line, he also fancied himself a general entertainer, right? Meaning he could go into film if he wanted. He did it with No Holds Barred. He could go into... <laughs> he did, right? That was yeah, his first, like, dipping his toe in the water and then the cocaine. Yeah. He fancied himself, uh, no, I could do a body... I, of course I can do a bodybuilding league. Of course I can. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the World Bodybuilding Federation Championship. You know? Yeah, but these are all things that are propped up by the WF making money. Correct. So it's like, you can't right. say that, like, well, if there's no WF to prop it up, then what the fuck is he going to do? He fucking started the football league twice. That you know worked I mean? out really good. <laughs> right. Now, I, I now, to be fair, can I say this about the second failure of this? The one I with the to, rock owns or whatever it is? I have to say, that one's not his fault. I mean, literally, like, when he started it, it seemed like... Oh, football is very successful right now. This right. seems like the, there's a lot of nostalgia for this. This right. seems like the perfect time to do this, right? Then COVID. And then, like, what the fuck is he well, supposed to do? That's, like, that's not fair. I get like, that. To, yeah. That's, like, really not his fault. 
But even the first time around, I don't know if it was given as fair of a chance as it should have been by the mainstream media. In I mean, all it's, seriousness, it's partially their own fault. I mean, why it would is. those backstage skits for fucking football? Stupid. Yeah. No, I agree. Why with not that. just have a make it like how the AFL was in right. the sixties or, or the Arena League? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, why not just make? Well, it's regular football. It's not indoor football. No, I know so, what I'm yeah. saying. But the way they promoted it on February third, Smash Mouth Football returns. But this is the guy that, I mean, he's tried to do a lot of other things. There's still WWE films to this day. And at this point, WWE is the fucking Disney of wrestling in terms of just having its its reach in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, ha- I have to say they were very smart with that. And maybe, you know, maybe, Joe, maybe the, the end game was is that he just doesn't sell. And then he just, what he's doing is he finds a way to have, like, essentially the wrestling vault of videos and, like, become a tape company essentially essentially like look at our classics well maybe i mean when sega stopped making consoles it stayed on as a game developer that's a weird analogy but i'm just saying you can't really be a wrestling developer well you can you could be like one of those territories that develops talent sure you can oh that he's just he's pumping out talent yeah that's a really shitty business of course i mean it's not like (laughs) it's not like people are um talking about the monster factory well it's you know, I'm just saying, power plant. It's like those those are huge corporations that are, that are making millions of dollars in potential nobodies. Yeah, and potential nobodies is right. Uh, Larry yeah. Sharp just dropping people off yeah. at the arena. Uh, but no, I think you said it right, Quinn. All the other things he did, you know, whether it was doing No Holds Barred and writing the, the success with Hulk Hogan and all that, or, you know, getting too big for Azubas with the WWF, it was all propped up by the standing success of the wwf and his wrestling cash register yeah and no matter what he's tried besides that for better or for worse he cannot escape the quote-unquote wwf stench from anything he does (laughs) and that's simply because in my opinion that's the only thing he's good at here's the thing that a lot of people don't know under the radar from my this is my understanding and maybe somebody like joe merkel who's more knowing of everything in the biz than me and six seven but he's from, a big man from my understanding from people who know um movies the wwf films became like a weird background production company that is not they don't really make films about wrestling they're yeah, like they, actually successful or something yeah like maybe, successful maybe not critically acclaimed no not, but i mean they, you know, they make a buck you know what they i mean like they, they sit around i i don't even know if maybe the name has changed or not i but think like, it's still wwe films but they, they fund like movies that come out they're really into like horror movies and stuff like that but stuff that like makes a lot of money on like netflix or whatever yeah well they're wwe studios now by right. the way but yeah they've been involved in things that are like let me have put it this nothing way. to do with wrestling <laughs> yeah not hideous how about yeah, that exactly. you know maybe not hideous. there's been a couple movies i know in the in the last couple years where people have been like wow wwe was involved like they they produced this yeah like you know what i mean and then the miz will just be in random shit too that right. they do it's real yeah but i still i want to go back to the beginning i don't see vince ever closing up shop in 97 or 90 i see him doing whatever it takes cut costs go regional again like the like 1979 if he had to run his local shows do his tapings mm. i mean we could see if you look at the way they had to scale back between 1993 and 1995 they were definitely capable of it right no but seriously because let's just picture this if you will they went from having all this syndication right mm-hmm. with superstars and challenge and all these usa time slots and then by 1995 they dropped all their syndication except for the a show just superstars right? right and they really started running these real small we always call them the aircraft hangers right but he did what it took to let he got rid of people in 95 the one thing i always want to give vince mcmahon credit for is that he seems very keenly aware or he just hires the right people 
to manage a budget and how to maximize like what they can do yes. with a, an X amount of money. And that like, was the downfall it, of Turner, by the way, WCW. Right. I should say. It's like Vince always seemed to know like, okay, we have to spend this much so that we can make this much profit and survive. And that is what made Vince the difference. It's and, and to be fair to WCW, it's really hard in a corporate structure to do that because those kind of companies are so used to having endless pockets. It's really hard for them to like budget anything. Like well, it, yeah. if anything, that's like a that's kind of an Achilles heel of a of a corporation. It it's is like, an Achilles. Like, yeah, they how do they like because it's not like they don't have the money, right? It's right, like they it's have just, the money. It's just that if they aim for a smaller business that they're trying to get into, right? They don't know how to budget correctly without like having this way because they, you know, in a smaller business might not have as much profits. Companies like that, it's really hard for them to operate in those spaces. Well, yeah, they have more money than they know what to do with. Honestly, exactly. is what happens. So they're like, well, why don't we just spend a bunch to get rid of the competition, and then we'll get all the profits. The problem is, if all the profits are like not that much yeah you know they're like who gives a shit right and uh coming up next on the ovp financial podcast we're yeah. gonna have a special guest now you're gonna but- put this episode on cnbc <laughs> or something jim kramer coming on yes. in a second here uh- <laughs> <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but in all seriousness though i just don't think that vince would have ever ever shut down i think he would have gone as small as he had to to stay alive well keep the wwe properties within his control <laughs> i like to theorize that there would be some kind of other business or something. What would he have like, done? Okay, let's see. Shoe salesman? Vince goes, goes back to Connecticut. Put that on your foot. Could you imagine it's just like, it's some fucking boring ass shit like textiles <laughs> or like, just owns a couple of factories. Like a somewhere. couple of Henleys. Yeah, like shoe <laughs> factories. I don't know. Something that he could do back in Connecticut that's like, <laughs> Like he seems to help you because it's like it's not like he didn't know how to run a business. He just ran into like somebody who was much, a much bigger fish. So it's yes. just really you're just shit out of luck. Big stupid fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not like he. It's not Sorry. like his business acumen was in question. It was just like yes, some acumen. Yeah, it, I, I, I honestly no for like dollars and cents. Like I said again, Vince's always was very. He's known to be good with like how to run a company, right? Like, you know what I mean? So, no, I mean to that extent, yeah. And it doesn't matter the scale. Like that's the thing is when you have that ability, it's you can go back and live a comfortable life doing something not you know big, right? You but know? this is not a guy that's going to be taking a job in wrestling elsewhere, right? No, never. No, because he ain't he's, working for Eric Bischoff. The is thing what is, because I mean. he's a businessman. He, right. He, his skill is running a business. It's not being an employee. Oh, you know God, I mean? no. Yeah. Oh, he, you're not going to see him sitting in on booking. First of all, no one hire him as a booker because he can't book. He just no. has like broad visions. Right, because he's a businessman. Yeah, Again, he, that's what you have to remember about him. That's right. why I think so many people hated him too is because he really was a businessman in a in an industry not really run by business people. Well, yeah, but he was the right kind of businessman because right. he was he was small he was small town enough, so to speak, right. that he could, he would know the people that he worked with. He wasn't a businessman in the sense of a, you know, whoever, Bill Bush over at WCW. See, he's like a richest man in town type, like that fucking guy in um, It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, like, there you it, go. He's not like the biggest, he's not like a mega corporation person. Right. He's just like, well, Hopper or Copper, whatever yeah. his name is. <laughs> yeah. He owns the bank in town or something. And that's, that's like the extent of his business empire. But he'll still drink with the boys and that type of thing. Right, you know, exactly. he, he's not sitting up in his ivory tower all the time. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a great question, but I just, again... Uh, the the premise I don't think is even plausible. I don't think he would have lost. I do not think he would have lost. If he did, I agree with you, Quinn. He would have operated some type of money making business to make sure that he and his family and his close friends Could, had a comfortable you know, life eat and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. 
He's not an idiot. He might not have the best wrestling mind these days, but he does know how to still make money despite right. what people think of his booking. And man, it's shit sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if people are envisioning like he's a hobo in the no. streets, like fucking DDP or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That ain't Waiting happening. for the silent benefactor to show right, up. Like right. it's, that's it, not what would have happened. No. He would have just started a smaller business, not wrestling related or and, something. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And I don't see him ever, giving up the WWE or WWF at the time a trademark and properties. Oh, he that wouldn't have been sold off Could you anybody. imagine if Vince was like an Albert Patterson type? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And, and it's like, say WCW is just like, we have different opinions of WWE because they were successful, right? It's right. Like they are the they are the wrestling. Right. To, He's not even to your that. chagrin. Yeah. For years, we'd be like, "How come on WCW Network there's no yeah. WF?" Like, <laughs> right. and it's like fucking Vince McMahon running his fucking shoe company, <laughs> and he can't sell his damn WF license. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we would have been so mad. Yup. Like, That's exactly what would have happened. Yeah. I'm telling you, he has too much pride yeah. to ever give up any of that stuff. I and mean, this is he's not giving up the rights to all the footage to Hogan and San Martino and all this yeah. rich history if he can make money off of it he's still gonna sell it exactly shit. Um, he, he licensed it <laughs> yeah, he's like right. he's waiting for disney to buy it or something he's seriously for like, for though. like billions of dollars and maybe that would have gotten him back into the rustling business yeah. uh but anyway a great question folks let us know what you think first of all would vince could they have actually lost quote unquote the war or would he have gone as small as possible what would have happened there and if he had stopped with the wrestling what would he have done and how would he have been successful if so you can let us know that uh, on twitter at ovp podcast email us ovp podcast at gmail.com or join the group but quinn when we come back it is getting hot it is also getting heavy very heavy because in the royal ranking <laughs> in the royal rankings we got six names on the board but two more are coming out we're gonna pull them out of the tank we're gonna see where they rank it is the royal rankings of factions in wrestling and that is coming up right after this. My friend drove off the other day Now he's gone and all they say You gotta live cause life goes on and Now I see a model too I can't live my life like you Gotta live it up while life goes on The World Bodybuilding Federation shoots off the big cannons for the WBF Championship live tonight Exclusively on pay-per-view, Gary Stridham defends the WBF Championship in a battle of the bulging biceps. But on the front line, the Iron Warrior, Mike Christian, will challenge along with the flexing Dutchman, Barry DeMay, plus a whole rack of 100% US-tested grade A prime beef. Don't miss the greatest bodybuilding event in history tonight, the WBF Championship. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks, guys, for being with us here. It's episode number 197. It is Monday, October the 19th, 2020. And we do have a Patreon, Michael. Oh, we have it. We have it, and it's going to be a brief, short, but sweet little plug here. If you like OVP... Like I said, if you've been listening maybe for a long time or just started listening and you really like it and you want more content and you want to support us, we'd really appreciate that. And I encourage you to at least check it out. Go to the website, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Go right now and look at it. What you're going to find on there is the most, the highest tier we even have is $5. That's it. And that's $5 a month. If you sign up, you're going to get immediate access to everything on there. That includes every single WWF pay-per-view, starting with the first WrestleMania. Right now, WrestleMania 7 is out. Next month will be SummerSlam 91. 
Not only that, you get our bi-weekly 1983 live reviews. This is a separate canon, Quinn, separate, from the main show. Absolutely separate canon, its own metaverse. It's, and it's all a this, whole different yeah. thing. And you can be a part of that, and that's on the $3 tier. There's a lot of content there, and again, we don't do this to get rich. We're not trying to rip you off or anything like that. We really just want to give you guys more stuff if you want to support us. Right. That, that If you want to get ripped off, it's over at the Steptoe and Sun right. canon, <laughs> yeah. um, which is a different canon. Totally different canon. Yeah. Uh, but really, take a look. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Pick a tier. Sign up for it now. See what you think. If you don't like it, you can just cancel. Yeah. We're not going to get mad at you, but give it a shot. Sample the extra content. See what you think. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And now we're going to do the Royal Rankings, Quinn. Right. This, the Royal Rankings. This is very important. It's so important that um, Dave Meltzer contacts us every oh, yeah. two weeks and he says, hey. Hey, my knee is on the floor while I type. Yeah, can you give me a heads up <laughs> on um, you know, who, who's, who's getting nominated this week so I can write a preview about it? Yeah, he doesn't say it that clearly, though. Yeah. It takes him a while to say that sentence. He's you know, almost um, fallen off his chair <laughs> as he said it, but anyway. <laughs> Your papers rustling in the yeah, background. Every week with those calls. It's, it's getting tiresome, honestly. Yeah, I, I really, enough of him. It's the price we pay, though, for being so important. Right. Uh, we're being sarcastic. Anyway. Are the, we, though? Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. Let's find out. So the Royal Rankings basically is what we do every season before the season starts. We ask you, the fans, to give us a list of something. Your 10 best and 10 worst. For this season, it was factions. For next season, by the way, it's feuds. And you can go to our Facebook group and vote on that right now the polling is open until november 1st so go over there and vote if you haven't joined the group join it it's free and you can give us your uh, your top and bottom 10 feuds and our chief statistician joe merkel what he will do is he'll take all your votes he'll compile them and put them into two separate tanks one for the best one for the worst we alternate each week we pull two names out at a time and by the end of the season, what you're going to have are the OVP ordained, baptized, certified, organic, non-GMO, USDA certified, and healthy, best and worst factions in wrestling these, of all time. These are all things. These are all real things. This yeah. is very real. Yep. Right now on the board for the top, we have at number one, the New World Odor. Yes, very odory, very new. A lot of odor. Number two, the Hart Foundation. They used to call us Hart Fart. Right, uh, Georgia Hart's in that, right? <laughs> yeah, and Ellie. Yeah. Uh, number three, the Freebirds, I guess. Why are they so high? What did I, we do? I didn't even remember them being so high, huh? <laughs> Why did we do that? Well, you know, it's it's not done yet. <laughs> You're it's, right, it's not they over They might yet. not be that high at the end. <laughs> might not get fooled again. Yeah. Uh, number four, Evolution. It's a mystery. It's all that. <laughs> I have understand song for you. You're Batista a, had hair. Your your <laughs> Lemmy impression, by the way, got some good reviews. <laughs> I don't know what he says. It's fine. <laughs> Number five is the nation of domination, or yeah. just plain nation. The nation. The better version is just the nation the, from ninety eight. Branded version. <laughs> yeah. By and Mattel. And um, yeah, Mattel's the nation. Yeah. And uh, number six, the Heenan family. And before anyone gets up in arms about that. We love Bobby, best manager of all time, probably. But as a stable, there's not a lot of cohesiveness compared to these others. There's no distinct identity. It's just like a nebulous thing that exists. It's 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 like canon. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, yeah, just, it's, it's one of those things that you don't have to see. Right. You know? So it's there. It's good. But eh. so that's the top six right now. Two more are going to be coming out. But before we do that, we got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Are you ready? Yeah, Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. I'm 
talking about Bad Streets USA, the further down the block you went, the better it got. And baby, we lived in the last house. Myself, the chief executive officer of the Dangerous Alliance. And the new world organization of wrestling, brother. Wow, Quinn, another week here. This is going to be, this is getting dangerous. Here we go. Another another week of fun here in the rankings. It is because, I mean, we've got some good names on there already, and the Freebirds at number three for what? some reason. And the Heenan family. <laughs> and the Heenan family. Uh, but two more names are going to be coming out. There's some notable ones that you probably want to come out that are missing. Maybe this will be the week. Maybe they made it. We'll have to see. But it's exciting, Quinn. You know, we've been talking all season long about stables, and a good one is one that really does elevate the storylines of the company, it helps get wrestlers over, maybe gets the opponents over. It just, in general, it's profitable, it's fun, it's engaging for the company. Yeah, I always, the one thing that's good about Sables is they're probably one of the more story-driven things that happen in wrestling, yeah, period. right. It's like it kind of gives everyone a purpose, somebody to fight. Somebody to fight, reasons for matches to exist, yeah. you know, it freshens things up when you have a new stable. It and helps, they- like, the minor people in it it really can that's yeah. one of the th- great things about a lot of these stables uh evolution for example right you know batista and orton came out of that the nwo the nwo a, a did lot. a lot that, yeah. yeah so there's obviously reasons why stables are good and we're gonna see two more of them without any further ado why don't we go down to the fans as they count us down and we can all find out who drew number seven The four people that make things happen. You're talking about Double A, Ole Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and Ric Flair. The Four Horsemen. The Four Horsemen. That's all that needs to be said kind there. Kind of the origin of um, stables that a lot of people point to. I know the Freebirds were before, but I mean, like a lot of people think of this as like the real first successful stable, I guess. When you think of the gang style stable, they might be the first that come to mind, either them or the NWO, but I mean, really... They were the template. Right. And not only that, they may be the best. We'll have to find out when we right. get to the ranking time. And you know me, I'm a huge Ric Flair fan. Yeah. Uh, he's great. Uh-huh. What? And, uh, but you even should I, become one. Even I, no, I shouldn't. What? Even I will give the nature boy his due. Or maybe his woo. Thank you. Now, the four horsemen, they probably need no introduction, but for those of you that might need a little refresher, I'll give you a quick one. In 85, down in JCP... We already had the existing wrestlers and feuds going on with Ric Flair, obviously the perpetual world champion. Uh-huh. You had Tully Blanchard, who was a big mid-card champion, essentially. A he, TV champion. TV champion, yes. Eventually U.S., I think, as well. I think well. both he held. Uh, Arn Anderson, Iron Anderson, as we affectionately call him, mm-hmm. and his fake brother, Oli, the right. grumpier Anderson, if you right, will. Right, <laughs> Iron was the replacement for the other one, Yes. Right? Gene. Gene, yes. Gene, the original, the only real Anderson, yes. Everyone was old in that. Everyone was very old. Yeah. Um, So these guys kind of had a loose association going on in 1985, and eventually they wound up having this, this, I think, a 10-man tag. J.J. Dillon was also involved. Remember, he wrestled still sometimes. Mm -hmm. Arn Anderson, in a promo, one of the great talkers, he off the cuff was like, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Right. And that stuck as the team's name, the Four Horsemen. Right. So now this this loose association had already kind of been going on. They were kind of working together here and there. Yeah. And, and what was interesting about all this is like this loose association almost was sort of a necessity too, because there was like other things floating around like Magnum TA. Correct. Barry Windham and Barry the Windham. Rock and Roll Express. Dusty Rhodes. The, the Russians. The Russians. It was kind of like, well, you know, Ric Flair's got to have, like, something, right? Yes. Because, like, every, all these other people are 
teaming up and shit, <laughs> right. right? You know? What we're trying to say is whether you're a fat out of shape truck driver, whether you're a skinny geek pushing a taxi cab, whether you're a doctor or lawyer that doesn't have half the money we have, this is the way life is. So right. basically what happened here is Oli, the crappiest one, mm-hmm. he, they just know. They boot him out. Good. <laughs> he, well, okay. So the, you can, I got to say here. You can talk about the, it. The pre-Oli or the pre-Oli leaving, that's probably like, to me, that's the most like dynamic and fun, like the origin stories of them. The Andersons, like the whole, Tully and the Flair. Whole, the whole shit where like Baby Doll was with um, Tully. Tully. And he and he fought Magnum TA in yes. the in that like I quit match in the cage. Yeah, the literal in your eye quit match. The in your eye quit match. <laughs> and like Ric Flair's feuding with Dusty uh-huh. and like the Rock and Roll Express was always having having problems with like Ric Flair. Yeah, like remember you know that. what I mean? Like it's not even just like like they're like fuck you rick yeah. flair like we're gonna fight you and flair like, with his promos on them were freaking good too yeah they like are. the whole the whole uh the whole McDonald's thing and all the, that the, the whole right? the hair thing yeah. and the, the girls whatever like all this shit the formative era the formative era is probably like the most fun to me like the road warriors are even like around yeah there's no it's a stacked and, roster in exactly. jcp during so this period it's of like, time I, this whole this whole the original four horsemen like that whole run yep. is probably the to me personally it's the best Although the four horsemen themselves will tell you it's when this Barry Windham thing right. happens. Well, before you know? Barry Windham, though, we got to mention, they bring in Lex Luger. Right. Lex Luger in 87 comes in as a replacement for Oli, who they booted out of there. Which I feel like this was the beginning of this quest to find who was actually going to replace Oli. Right. Because who gives a shit about him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, a lot of fair, people don't. He, he was always the weakest member. Well, he's also like 79. I know he's not really, but he was yeah. so old by yeah, then. It was kind of like they needed like, okay, we need to have old this. Old Anderson. I also think there was a, somewhat of a problem with Tully being the mid-carter one when he clearly should be like the tag team one. Because that's how their stable and was. And that's, I think, one thing we should mention about them too. They kind of established this like, what does a stable look like when it has all the titles, right? It's yep. like, well, you got to have your world champion, you got to have your mid-card champion, you got to have your tag champs, right? Evolution followed that. Right, literally. exactly. Yeah, and that's a great point, Quinn. You had and, Flair at the helm and their manager, J.J. Dillon, but, you know, Flair is the guy. But Tully was oddly the, like, mid-card Initially, one. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, so they bring in Luger, right? And then the Luger thing stops in 88, and we get probably what everyone considers to be the best version of the horror. Well, not, I don't want to say everyone. A lot of people consider to be the right. best version, including them. Yeah. Is Barry Windham replacing Luger? Yeah. Like I said, I argue this because I think the more the original Horseman was a little more dynamic and organic. And like, even though Oli was in it and I don't like him. But it makes sense. Right. It just kind of happened. Right. And it was like, well, once this is over, that's the end of the Four Horsemen, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Like, it's like, this also started the trend of like, we got to keep it alive. Well, that's the thing. So, yeah. the Barry Windham version in 1988 and it's really just pretty much 1988 by the way it's not even that long that's the version that was so damn good and i guess iconic if you want to call it that's the class that was inducted into the wwe hall of fame specifically that version right exactly it was the u.s champion the world tag team champion the mastermind that makes it all go round and round and yours truly represents the franchise that didn't last long because guess what? In the fall of 1988, Tully and Arn left JCP and went to the WWF. Not to mention Barry Windham had to go become a widowmaker. <laughs> a little later. A little later. Flair got in a fight with the pizza man. That's a little like, later. It's all, it's all connected. But it is connected. Yeah. And that leads to probably a, a downfall era here 
from like 88 and 89 where it's literally Flair and Barry and JJ, but like sometimes Kendall Wyndham is lingering around with them, but he's and, not really a member. And is this also the time when the Japanese company bought the Four Horsemen or something? That would be next, right? Yeah. So, so JJ Dillon. <laughs> that is just shit. It's just ridiculous. This is poor. JJ yeah. Dillon in real life, he leaves and he goes to work for Vince and right. he stayed there for a long time. And it's at that period of time in early 89 that uh, Hiro Matsuda. Yeah buys quote unquote the horseman and renames it the Yamazaki Corporation. Because that's what people really think of when they think of the four horsemen. Japan. Y- Japan, of course. And the Yamazaki <laughs> yeah. Corporation. I mean they are so popular. Right. Who? And it's <laughs> not even real. But the horseman would not be hanging out with Hero Matsuda at Plum Crazy. It just didn't work. It didn't fit. It was just hokey. And, you know, and that's and people didn't believe it. And in this version we had uh Ric Flair, Barry Windham, Kendall Windham the shitty Butch Reed and Hiro Matsuda's manager. And then this is never talked about for good reason. But when Barry Windham left and he wound up in the WWF to go make widows yeah. or make windows, maybe or make, uh, just be a cowboy or whatever he whatever was, whatever it was. Do you know who replaced him? Oh, Michael Hayes. What? But like, this isn't I really remember that. That's because this isn't really established horseman canon. Like it happened, but no one cares. This is like something that happened in Japan for a day. Yeah, but- <laughs> like Bob Backlund losing the bell or something like that. Years ago in Japan. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the four horsemen like kind of reform in earnest in 89. But this time, remember the faces version? It was Flair, Oli, Arn, and Sting. Oh, God, yes. And everyone could see it coming a mile away. Like, clearly they're going to turn on Sting. Well, yeah, <laughs> because Ric Flair already didn't like him. And the horsemen aren't supposed to be faces. Anytime they... they it's not like the first time they try. Yeah. To, 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 to make, they always do this. They're always like, fucking with people. They're, they're always like, we're faces now. Yeah, because yeah, people are rooting at the at Teak Deck and right. all that shit. Right. Wood. Whatever. <laughs> but that people like them. And so now they're faces and they're wearing... Giants shirts. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so here's what happens, right? They obviously turn on Sting and they're like, You were never a fucking horseman, you idiot. Yeah. And they're heels again in 1990. And we have Flair with his ponytail era. Remember that era? Barry Windham is back. He's done making widows. Yeah. But he's good. like never good ever again. Yeah, Barry Windham. He's like sloppy after this. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't real. know. They, they <laughs> scarred him over there. I right. don't know what they did. Right. Iron is back from the WWF. Yeah. And this starts kind of the trend of like iron's the reliable. Like anytime they bring in the Iron Anderson, it's like no, it, now it's the horseman. He's like the second in command. Yes. Of like the horseman. He's like the corporal of the horseman. He puts everyone in line. Or the enforcer, if you yeah, will, perhaps, yeah. Gwen. That's I, I what just, they call him. I know that, but I'm just saying. The enforcer, Iron we Anderson. A military comparison it's not though a corporal That's paul jones would call it that yeah. <laughs> remember him mm-hmm. um anyway and they were gonna bring back tully right but the cocaine yeah in the wwf so instead they bring in as their fourth man sid vicious and people kind of like sid as a now, horseman this seems kind of okay right yeah like this seems fine but then there's some incident with <laughs> with safety scissors or something no, that's much later there's oh i thought this is like very close to this time the, the there's multiple incidai okay yeah. so basically what we have is flair and pizza man right. have problems <laughs> in 91 <Ugh>. without <laughs> rick flair there's no friggin' horseman. No. Because he goes to WWF and it's right. over, right? Uh-huh. Until he comes back in 1993. Right? Remember he has, like, the talk show because he can't wrestle legally or something yet? Remember Flair <sighs> for the gold and it's all shitty? Yeah. It's so crappy. I and don't that, care what anyone says. Well, it's funnier when Stone Cold and, and Brian Pillman make fun of it <laughs> yeah, later. Yes, it yeah. is. And that's obviously where the Shockmaster happens. But anyway, we have the Horsemen reunion in 1993. They were faces, first of all, because... The three horsemen. Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? Yeah. So it's Flair, Iron... Only for like one appearance ever, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But the most infamous of the fourth horseman, and I don't mind him that much. And Quinn and I have discovered 
and kind of reaffirm that yeah, Paul Roma really wasn't bad. No, in but it doesn't things. make him acceptable in the forward. <laughs> Come on, like let's be fair here. Yeah, Paul Roma. So yeah. I mean, it wasn't very good. And then what happened is Ole was only there that one time, and they never replaced him. So it was literally just Flair, Iron, and Roma. But they called themselves the Four Horsemen Terrible. throughout '93. And then Iron got into a scuffle with Sid, uh, unrelated to the Horsemen, but <laughs> to mention the safety scissors. Right. Yes, safety that's when the scissors happened. incident. Now and, this kind of ends this whatever the fuck they were doing it was with them. shitty. And, like, there was, like, this... I feel like this four-year period or so since, like, 1989 where they were like... It wasn't we good. We don't know what to do. We're just trying to keep it alive. Yes. But then, in, like, 1995, I actually like this, like, this effort to really, yep. like, remake the, the Horsemen for, like, a new generation. Me right? too, Quinn. Yeah. In the fall of 95, Flair and Iron, who had had their problems uh, briefly... Right, they had had a match against each other, even which I never weird, liked when they weird feud. Yeah, that they, weird. they were like, "Let's do this for a change." Uncomfortable. Right? Like, no, no, let's not. <laughs> they decide they're going to reform the Four Horsemen, and they bring in the recently turned heel Brian Pillman. Right. This is when he was starting to develop that loose cannon gimmick, and he's awesome during this right, period of time. Right. He could still wrestle. He's great, and I love how they handled it too, because they had this. While Brian Pillman was in the Four Horsemen, there was this. They were really building that loose cannon, like you said, like this whole thing. Where like. The horseman would put Brian Pillman out to like help the Dungeon of Doom or something, yes. right? And he would like fuck with them. Yes. Like, and, and, and Iron Ants would be like, stop it. Like, yep. he'd have to like control him. It's great. Like, he, Brian Pillman would listen to Iron, but he wouldn't listen to anyone else and he was fucking crazy. It was a like, good era. He, yeah. Like, it was interesting. There was a thing of beauty, Tony. The Stinger, he fought for his life. He gave everything he had. And then he hit Slick Rick with the tag. Nature Boy came in, styling and profiling. They had their fourth member. That would be, of course, Chris Chris Voldemort. Chris Voldemort, as some people know him. Yes, and woman would be their valet. Miss Elizabeth, obviously, would be there. That would come in during the Randy Savage feud. I like all all of this. I like it, too. No, it's good. It really is good. It was fresh, right? And then, obviously, Pillman leaves. Right, and this... Okay, I really, really like this part. (laughs) So, during that period of time, we need a fourth horseman, right? And somehow along the line, these football players, uh, Steve McMichael, you might have heard of him, and Kevin Green come in, and they're going to fight Anderson and Flair, and Bobby Heenan is also like poking around, coaching. Like a, yeah, coaching. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. And uh, well, he said he'd never manage again. He's coaching. He's just coaching. Yeah. And in one of Quinn's favorite angles, <laughs> Steve great. Mongo McMichael turns on Kevin Green, baby. And I'm Mongo, a horseman, Mongo, baby. I'm a horseman, baby. I got a Halliburton. I'm part of the four. Like, remember he carried the Halliburton that he used to turn on that other football man. Kevin forever Green. yes like, literally that was, that forever was like the mark of like i turned heel yep now he had been the announcer we all know he was the nitro announcer yeah. this whole time tony was all sad <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah and what i love about steve mcmichael is not his in-ring work that's our mongo we know yeah. him he's crazy it's the personality like that like i've said that backyard barbecue have a couple of cold ones uh, baby party all the time <laughs> yeah. like at the time it didn't make sense but then when you got to know mongo as a character and as a person yeah. you're like Oh my God, he's like perfect for them. Like so the he, horsemen he, loved him in real life. They yeah. liked him. Yeah, like they were like, "This is this <laughs> is the kind of person that should be in this stupid thing." He's one of the sloppiest wrestlers ever in the yeah. history, but he fits personality wise. Like somehow it just works. He's, he's he fit like a glove for the four. It, <laughs> right. was, it was like, no, this is like exactly who they are. If you could have taken his personality with Paul Roma's wrestling ability, no yeah. one would ever complain. Like dead he's, serious. He's the kind of guy that when they were in that weird like wilderness in like the late eighties, early nineties, <laughs> yeah. like he's the kind of guy that would have 
that would have been perfect. Yes, I you agree. Know what I mean, I agree. And this is the version that kind of turns de facto face once the new world order starts because they need some kind of force yeah. to fight them. And of course, the horsemen can't do shit about it because the- they're only four, and there's like seven hundred <laughs> yeah. NWO people, right? And they have bats and all that. And, and also, the other reason that they can't fight is because <sighs> fucking Jeff Jarrett won't stop being fucking annoying. He's horrible. Ruined it. <laughs> like they were like. They could have, like, fought them, but they're always dealing with, like, Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> Kurt Henning, yeah. like, all these people that they're like, come in, help us, like, Mongo and B- they can't do it all themselves, and Iron's old as shit, and Ric Flair is, like, sometimes he's in a mental hospital or something, and he's too busy with, like, woman and Elizabeth, like, farting around with Randy Savage to ever, like, really fight the NWO. You Jeff, know what I mean? Like Jeff Jarrett storms, and he's like, I'm a horseman now, and everyone's like, no, you're not. Yeah, even Ric Flair's like, what? Yeah, like, well, like, like, who are you? Like, who even are you? Like, you, you know, know there's, I mean? like, there's no official consensus on if he was a horseman, because there already was four right. when he came there's in. like Rick and Iron. They like they're like we like this kid. Like yeah. he seems okay. And like was like what? And, and Mongo. And Mongo's like what I the fucking fuck? hate you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Like come on, baby. Yeah, it's like and then he steals his wife Ugh, and all this. Like, that ongoing feud between Mongo and Jeff Jarrett with De- is horrible. The funniest part is you're rooting for Mongo the whole time. Yeah. And you shouldn't be. Jeff Jarrett stinks in this era with the <laughs> yeah. strappy, like yeah. silver strappies. And you're like, I just want to see Mongo punch yeah. him in the face. Like, can he leave? Why yeah. did they hire him? Yeah. Go away. He's fucking with our Mongo, damn it. Have like, you ever been happy to see Jeff Jarrett show up in any company? <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. And then even when he goes back to WF, they just, like, replace him with Kurt Henning as, like, the annoying, like, is he really in this thing? Yeah. And like, the thing is, is Iron has this big emotional retirement, like, my hand doesn't work anymore, or whatever it was. And he's like, I'm stepping aside, and my the new enforcer is going to be Kurt Hennig. And then he turns on them a month later and joins so the NWO. Stupid. And that's kind of it until the... Final reformation of the Horsemen. Mm-hmm. Now, Quinn and I always like to reference this one in September of 98. Dean Malenko and Chris Voldemort had been trying to like get this going here for right. a while, and Flair's been missing since the beginning of the year yeah. after a real-life dispute and oddly, with Bischoff. The way this is positioned, and I don't, I still never, I can never understand this, Joe, Yeah, is that this, like, oh, Dean Malenko in real life or something (laughs) was actually part like that's what they said like they were like oh no like you know like all those other guys that were in the four horse and on screen but Dean Malenko in the back or something like he was actually in the horseman or what the fuck was that it was weird I don't know and then they just like they retconned it and been like well he's their friend (laughs) so he was like in it or something like it didn't make sense honestly but we famously have in September of 98 um Arn Anderson appears in a suit Remember? Yeah. And J.J. Dillon's there with him, right? Yeah, that, for that one there. night. Yeah. yeah. And he's introducing everybody. Look at all the new people! And he brings out Mongo. He brings out Chris B- He brings out Dean Malenko. And of course... What a goose! What a goose! I almost forgot the fourth horseman! Rick Flair! Go, go, Then we have the horseman, and then, like, almost immediately, Mongo disappears. <laughs> like, in November. Wait, and the sad part is, like, remember, they were like, we we just couldn't find... Like, they're, like, sad. Yeah. Like, they're like, we didn't want him to leave. What happened? And, it, like, Mongo, I don't know. He just, like, traveled across the country. Or, yeah. Like, nobody knows what happened he to him. He just disappeared, and he, like, right? coached a football team or something. Good. I don't know. Like, it's just... Good. Mongo was just like, I'm done with this. So, we kind of... They fade away. It's technically still the Horseman in 99, but, like, Mongo's gone, right? So, it's Flair. Irons his manager. Got Chris Voldemort, Malenko... 
crooked little Nate as the ref. Double but, D. Yeah, I don't know what that is. And like the that David, was Asia. Just is it? The nurse. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. Yes, double D. And David Flair, remember, and Tori and yeah, all that shit. Yeah, we're gonna shit. have my son be in this. That's gonna work. And then, <laughs> and, and then he like memory becomes friends with Daphne and goes crazy or something. Yeah, that's actually better. Yeah. And then it just fades away. That's actually the last true incarnation. What a weird thing. So that's the Horseman. Truly influential. But when you break it down, the name carries more weight than if you break down a lot of the incarnations. Yeah, I will to say be this. Unbelievably fair. To be I gotta say this, the one thing about the Four Horsemen is that through all of this, it's kind of weird that it never damaged the the the, the name of the four like the, all didn't. these horrible things that happened. Yeah. But at the end of the day, nobody cares about any of that. They just remember like nineteen eighty six and them yeah. being awesome. Like, and that's, you know what I mean? that's like, a true credit. Yeah, that that is so strong yep. of a performance that people are like Oh man, that was just the best shit yep. to fucking ever happen. Like yep. when they when they first formed, and that's I think in a way heavily in their ranking. We're gonna get to that. Obviously, it's kind of like how the NWO is. Like it's like they ninety six was really when they good. first formed. It was so strong that people were like, "Well, we know it got dumb, but we don't really remember that." Yeah, you we know? we look past that. Yeah, we we ignore that, and uh, we'll have to see where that comes into play when it comes to ranking. But Quinn, it is now time for number eight. Mm-hmm. You want to find out who it is? Yeah, sure. Count us down, fans. Are you ready? DX. 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 Degeneration X. Wow. Okay. Oh, so you, you from one it. from one big wrestler's stable to another. To this another. Is, this and I don't care what the fuck Triple H ever tells you. It's Shawn Michaels stable. He started it. They, all these people are Shawn Michaels people, okay. like that are they're click related. I can see we're gonna have a yeah. very strong opinion here, and I'm okay I'm with just, that, Michael. I'm, I'm okay saying, with it. Yeah. So let's. This is pretty easy backstory here. In August of 1997. Michaels was still technically a face when he refereed that match at the SummerSlam. The SummerSlam, right? Yeah, the SummerSlam. You can't be biased or whatever. Or you can't wrestle in the U.S. Yeah. He obviously accidentally. Right. And it is an accident. Yeah. He No, it's a very like face accident. It didn't. It like he messed up. Like he was he was trying to like Brett, take it away. And Brett then he got, on him. Yeah. And then Brett spit on him. He's like, fuck this guy. Yep. You know. And then he just nails the Undertaker by accident. Right. Yeah. Undertaker's like, die, die, die. And I think the President Monsoon would have like been like, I understand why you used the chair. He would have, but you know, he he had handed off uh, to Commissioner Slaughter the right. next night, so it just wasn't the same. Uh, and what happens is Sean, though, cuts an awesome, and I don't normally say this about Shawn Michaels promos, but a really good heel promo to really get him over as a heel in the next couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, if I recall, it's something about, like, it doesn't matter what I do, it's like you just, you guys just will not. It's a good heel yeah, turn. Yeah, let man. up on me and yep. blah, blah, blah. It is no secret that Bret Hart doesn't like me. Bret Hart doesn't respect me, but one thing is for damn sure, Bret Hart needs me because I am the only man in the World Wrestling Federation that has beat his ass. He's not wearing a shirt. I remember that just shorts. Well, that during whole this summer, promo. he he liked to just wear shorts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, pretty funny. Yeah, like to, that, to give him credit, it's pretty good heel he move. Ve- he very he he very. Like his wardrobe, just like, like he's on vacation, like just an asshole, at, yeah. like on an MTV beach show yes. or something, like just like always, like it's like he's Dan Cortez he, over here. He always had like tech boots on and like just short shorts, yeah, and like just cargo do, shorts, and just like sunglasses. It's like that's good. like what I remember him looking like, and just being a complete dick, yep. and sometimes a vest if he was more formal, but with no shirt. Occasionally a vest, yeah, yeah, yeah. for formal occasions, yeah. 
So he becomes a heel, and this leads to a really, really good feud between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker that culminates in Hell in a Cell. But before that, a couple of weeks after SummerSlam, Mankind, who had been turning face gradually throughout the summer mm-hmm. after those interviews right. aired, and The Undertaker are forced to team up. Right. Bitter rivals, right, previously. And Shawn Michaels is forced to team up with Triple H because Triple H had been feuding with Mankind, Michaels and Undertaker. This thrown-together tag team of Shawn Michaels and Triple H take on Mankind and The Undertaker, and they wind up whacking The Undertaker with a chair again, beating down Undertaker and Mankind, and running off together with China. Right, right. And now it's like, holy shit, these three? And it seems so weird at the time, because I'm like, what is Shawn Michaels doing associating with him? Right, so this, so the way this formed, it first of all, I didn't even like, it didn't even occur to me that they would ever be like a faction. I'm just like, right. oh, well, this guy's a fucking asshole, and Shawn Michaels is like, just an asshole right now so like just why like don't a, they why don't they be friends yeah. right like and you didn't think anything about it you're just like oh i guess they'll tag on raw a couple times right. or something because they're kind of mutually feuding with certain other people and stuff that's all it felt like yeah, right exactly and then soon sean brings in his new insurance policy rick rude in a suit always right never because well lords like, <laughs> Lloyd, lloyd's of london lloyd's of london whatever yes. they, he can't wrestle but sometimes he <laughs> punches people and does stuff so is that like a loophole if he's wearing a suit he can't they can't say he was wrestling maybe i don't know but it's smart if he can collect money without working hell yeah man yeah (laughs) good for him even though he is working and getting a paycheck yeah it doesn't doesn't make any bumps it doesn't make any sense i don't know how he got around that but whatever him and kurt henning both yeah they both did so anyway now we have Rick Rude kind of hanging out with Sean and, and Hunter has China. Right. And Triple H was still technically in his blue blood phase, but he was starting to slowly phase that out. But right. Like little by little, right? This is what made him a fucking asshole and not a blue blood yeah. anymore, right? So like he still wears the polo shirts to like represent that he's fancy. This was just fancy. at the very beginning. Yeah, it's yeah, real yeah, though, yeah, right? It's real. Like they're like, we need to like subtly make him more casual or something. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And eventually that just all disappeared. But yeah, by the by early 98, he's wearing like leather and stuff like yeah. Sean. But basically this this group now, they start to cut these promos. And this is during the 20 minute promo era that had mm-hmm. already started. But usually it would still be an in-ring interview. Either Vince or JR, the the new Michael Cole, who was very new. And then, like, Slaughter would have problems with them, and they, they'd be making fun of Slaughter the, all the, the time. The, the face shields for right. the spit that had windshield wipers on them and all that. And increasingly acting like sophomoric assholes. And it, it was... JR. Sophomore school. He was so annoying, like, in his, like, disdain for them. because well, they're heels, Quinn. Yeah, but also it was, like... JR didn't feel like down to earth at all with like because what they were doing was like legitimately funny to any human. Well, but to JR's any teenager, like, Quinn, I don't know if it's as funny if you were old at the time. It's still it was different, Maybe it was. right? I it wasn't was just, old because it, it was so goofy. It like, was silly. It, it was silly, and this JR acting like all oh, wrestling serious <laughs> yeah. like, as a fucking zombie man walks around and, like. <laughs> Like a guy in pink is the champion. Like it's like, come on! Like really? Like uh, do, you, do you look around here? Brian Pillman's wearing a dress. Like come on! You know that's why. Like why it all just didn't add up to me that Jr. is Mr. so mad about it. It's like, are they really doing anything that's any out of the ordinary here? Fucking gold dust exists. Like yeah, I know, I know. And finally, in October, so. By October, basically DX's MO was not to take over the company. It was to to be annoying. 
right. to wreak havoc, to break rules, to break taboos. They show the MSG footage on the Titan Tron. Remember that? The right. click incident from uh, the curtain call. They make a mockery out of big, serious Ken Shamrock. Yeah, they make <laughs> a mockery out of everybody, which wasn't actually good if you really look at it because they would never sell anything and they to basically. Be, to be fair, there we to, go. They, yeah, but to be fair, Joe, anytime I say anything about Shawn Michaels, no, I have no, to no, get no, it. To be fair. In this case, the whole angle was that they were not respecting even wrestling, right? I mean, like, if they didn't do that, you'd be like, what the fuck even are they? You know? I guess, but if, you, if you're if you a heel and you never sell anything as a threat, then you're doing it a little bit wrong. A yeah. little bit wrong. But they would eat, they would eat, like, they get beat up, is what I mean. It's like, they, they did. They, it's not like they, they wouldn't did. sell moves. It's like, they I would, get you. It's like, they it'd be like, sell, oh, we're not afraid of you. And then the heel, the face the would come fingers. in and beat the shit out of them. And you know what I mean? They did the wiggly fingers yeah, a lot. Yeah, the wiggly fingers I that hate it. him and Marty started in like 90. That we, that we saw. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. But anyway, they were heels. I'm supposed to hate it, right? Yeah. So fine. And uh, Bret Hart's like, you know. You guys are a bunch of degenerates. And Sean picks up, and that was a planned line, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Sean picked up on that in the interview, and he's like, "Degeneration X," and that's how they name themselves. Yeah. And then with that comes their freaking somewhat famous music and video and all that. Right, entrance. I gotta the say, chopping. I gotta say, at first I didn't like this because a sp- specifically, I know this sounds stupid and to people, but I specifically didn't like it. Because when they came out, there was this weird like flashing effect, and I like couldn't see their entrance. What was going on? Yeah, I, know. I was like, it was I was on like, purpose. Wait, like, are they here? Like, what? I don't. What? When you're first and you've never seen this before, you're like, is them walking out? Is that like pre? Like, I'm not like I'm not sure because they're showing like old stuff right. and new stuff, all the like live stuff, all at the same time, and it's a very. And cops are running down the street yeah. from like the raw opening. Yeah, it is like from like from '95. That actually. shit they film that there's like a behind the scenes of them making. <laughs> it's good. Like where they filmed on the roof yeah like Kerwin yeah it's like all that it's like all those clips are like intermixed it's all from 95 and they just repurpose that footage (laughs) pretty pretty smart yeah I'm just saying it was like their entrance was very confusing but then once you started to realize like the whole point was to be like disruptive disruptive right like their entrance made sense yeah yeah and they just feuded with everybody they feuded with heels they pretty much only feuded with heels for a period of time in 98 they feuded with the nation Mm -hmm. and with the heart foundation yeah and everyone's heel it's very of its time, right? But it was very entertaining. Basically, I guess Vince Russo's idea was they just don't respect anyone. That was the whole point. Face. That's like, all it was. They would, they would, you know, they rip up flags and, and shades of gray, bro. Like shave people's heads, <laughs> yeah, and, and like fuck with Vader for some reason. Well, like you know, he's fuck withable yeah. during that period of time. Yeah, like I, I to don't be know, honest. like just anybody who was like Big al- Leon alone, <laughs> Shamrock. Like, yeah, it's like treat him like shit. Yeah, slaughter fights Triple H at yeah. the stupid pay per view. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. match by the way uh but anyway mess with jim neidhart <laughs> that was funny yeah no. when they're like you can join us that's, like, <laughs> that's later but still yeah but anyway so they become dx they do the crotch chop they do the suck it they have very caustic interviews very sarcastic very penis related yeah a lot of penis yeah and they then, love penis like i'm talking about penis right but should we penis. move to where sean wins the title because i think this is like the next phase right he wins the world title in the controversial finish blah blah blah. yeah and they do the bret hart midget yeah they make fun of bret hart still but that kind of like that's the last ever of them caring about the Hart foundation right. like that night after with the midget and then and like then they bring in Nightheart. other than the Nightheart thing they the hit him rest, the balls yeah the re- after that <laughs> it's like, sweatpants or whatever like, yeah it does that like they're like who's who's Hart foundation like they don't even like acknowledge right. them anymore well, they right? have to move on to Coldstone. right exactly well, the, the Undertaker feud with Michaels and then he literally doesn't wrestle until Wrestlemania because he can't but you wouldn't know that by watching it because they do a really good job of just having him on the Michael lot right and they feud with Coldstone. 
and Cold Stone gets in a fight with Mike Tyson. You ruined it. Yeah. And then it looks like DX is going to fight Mike Tyson. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't like him either because we don't like anybody. We right? Fuck him. Yeah. yeah. And then Tyson famously tears off his shirt to reveal a DX. Mike Tyson joined DX. Right. Wait a minute. DX. And how awesome is that? I love DX. I love DX is the best. I don't like that Cold Stone. Yeah. And anyway, Mike (laughs) Mike Tyson's in DX. He like appears with them multiple times. Yeah. It's really good. They're at the workout thing with Sean with the cowboy hat on. They kiss Austin's head. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's great. Bill Apter's asking questions at the press conference. Mike, Bill Apter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine. Do you still hold the animosity you held for him and vice versa? We have that going on. And simultaneously, the New Age Outlaws, who were kind of like DX Lite in their antics. DX Junior. Yeah, yeah, they were. They started to become like associates. With, Not in it. They yeah. weren't in it with Triple H and Sean. But they team up at the No Way Out pay-per-view, but, right. except Savio replaces Sean because reasons. And uh, yep. remember, Savio Vega had to like replace Sean Michaels. <laughs> Everyone's all disappointed. Yeah. And uh, anyway, we get to WrestleMania. We know what happens there. Tyson was in on it all along with Austin or gives, turned on yeah whatever their convoluted thinking he gives was Sean the punch and then and then Sean's out he punches him out of the WWF for months and the next night to this day I hate this like as a Shawn Michaels fan I hate it Triple H cuts a promo where he blames Shawn Michaels for dropping the ball right and he's like this is my thing now <sighs> to me this is like the moment right where this Triple H I'm better than everyone, but I take everything from... Ev- I'm not really that good, but, like, you know, I did everything. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I know th- what you th- mean. This starts. And what happens is he assumes leadership of DX, but we need another member, right? It's right. just him in China. And this is good. And Rick Rude's gone, too. Rude's That's, long gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's, like, nobody in DX but Triple H. Right. And this is really good, though. He brings out the returning Sean Waltman. Yeah, click person, not a, Triple H person. Just to saying. a great pop, yeah, by the yeah, way. I know. I know, great pop. And that, of course, we know Waltman's you know famous promo. Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. <laughs> yeah, that it is good. He's great. He's the, so good. The whole like X Pac run from like the moment he comes in, Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. For like until like ninety eight or nine, ninety nine, I should say. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's really good. Yeah, and in the ring too. Yeah, in the like everything. He's yeah. really good. And then later that night, the Outlaws who were getting their big rematch with uh, Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack. They join DX as well, and you have all four members on now of DX on the cage. Thing, yeah. Now, what happens is, and we'll, we'll get through this part rather briefly because it's not a lot, is they stay heels for like the first month or two, but two things happen that turn them face. They feud with the DOA, right. and who cares about the DOA like we talked about last week? Yeah, you know? Also, I, I think a big thing that happens, just maybe a third thing, is the... Uh, the DX shirt comes out and every fucking person buys it. I'm not kidding. Well, that was like, a big deal, yeah. 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 I got one in 98. Everyone I had did. that fucking shirt, yep. the silver uh-huh. logo, whatever that was. Classic. Yeah. And then they do the WCW invasion segments on the tank mm-hmm. and all that, which isn't really a tank. It's a Jeep, but nevertheless, that helped to turn them face. And before you know it, they're just fighting the nation instead. Yeah, they're just like they're quietly the rock like, yeah. and, and Mizark and all them. Right. Yeah. And that's actually a really fun feud. We've talked about a lot, but the the Rock Triple H 98 feud and then like the the sub feuds that are going with D-Lo and X-Pac, it's all good. That feud drove the mid card big time. Yeah, because it was it, huge. Here's the thing is once they had Austin on top, it, he kind of monopolized a lot of what was going on. Yeah, so, so you, you really had, needed like a, a central story in the center to like anchor everything. Yeah. And you got great 
believe it or not, good matches out of that too with Triple H and The Rock and the X-Pac and D'Lo. Good yeah. stuff happened out of that. It was a good matchup between both sides. It was. Now, Triple H goes down with a knee injury uh, in the fall of 98, and when he comes back, it's still DX and everything, but we're getting to 99, which is a very bad period, and <laughs> this is where Road Dog has been do- going solo, doing the hardcore. He was good. And then he I wins the IC randomly, and Billy Gunn wins the hardcore because Russo. They switched everything. Stupid. Yeah. Bro. Triple H... In the course of WrestleMania 15, it's this whole thing where like China was heel, but then she turns face again. But then like Triple H and China turn heel on X Pac, and that begins Triple H's heel push. But they didn't even like fully abandon DX either. Like I feel like this, all, this only la- lasted a little bit, and then they're like, "We're back, baby!" In the like, end of '99, yeah, it's Triple H is like the champion. It's like that era, the game era, but yeah. DX is also a thing with him sometimes. But at this point. See, remember the it, DX Express. Yeah, and this is at this point. This is what I mean about D, DX and Triple H. This just, is crummy. Just like he has to, he has to be better than everything, right? Yes. It becomes these Triple H like people. They're just there to help him, and yeah. they're not. They're not really a faction as much as they just they're like goobers for Triple H. And this is why everyone fucking hates this yeah. DX. Like this this fall '99 to like early 2000 version stinks. Yeah, it does. It's because not because they devalue everyone that's in yeah. the faction. Like it's, they just say no. Triple H, he is DX. He right. is the greatest thing to ever happen, and and fuck everyone. Like you it, know what I mean? Wasn't it like informally called the corporate DX? Because remember, Triple H was with Stephanie, but like yeah. there was also some DX oh, involved. Crappy. It was really bad. And then uh, Billy Gunn goes down to injury in early 2000, so it's Road Dog and X Pac. Then they fight over the DX name at like SummerSlam 2000. Don't, anytime they do this, nobody in wrestling, cared. Like, nobody. It's not like the first like stable where they did this where no. it's like who gets the name like like it's a fucking divorce I or know something. no that's like what it was and it was just bad so basically the that DX fizzles out and then we have the 2006 reunion <laughs> which has been like the subsequent reunions and I don't even want to get into all of that right them. but this is like Shawn Michaels returning to DX right yes but the problem is <laughs> and this is 2006 or the summer of 2006 Triple H had kind of gradually been getting cheered again after WrestleMania 22. Because Cena. Because nobody cause wanted. was fighting Cena. Yeah. yeah. And Shawn was fighting, feuding with Vince because it's, it's 2006. It's like what they did back then, right? Right. And, and Shawn Michaels also, a big part of it was that he was like, he was a older gentleman and he didn't really want to like you know like be too crude. Lude and crude. Yeah. He was like, I got kids and shit. Like, I don't want them to see me giving people right. a bird and like putting my dick in people's yeah. face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the time in my life for this. Right. You know what I mean? And that's essentially how they played it on TV too, right. which was kind of funny where anytime something would happen, Sean would get distracted by something. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he wouldn't see what Triple H was doing. So they played off of it. Hey, Sean, isn't that Mr. Fuji over there? Oh, I love Mr. Fuji. This version I don't like because it's basically like Shawn Michaels is the comedic crony to Triple H. Again, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's like it's it's like they just erase the fact that hey, this is Shawn Michaels' stable. Yeah, like, it's just it's this endless quest to rewrite that somehow that Triple H is like the king of DX. I know. Like, and it's just really weird. And this is only like the two of them. Yeah. this whole time that's really all it is. It's yeah. only the two of them and. It was supposed to be Triple H taking on. There's this one really funny thing comes out of this. WrestleMania 23 in Detroit, it was supposed to be Triple H taking on John Cena, but, you know, the quad strikes back. So they just insert Shawn Michaels into the feud. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's during the DX era for him. 
it's the funniest thing because Shawn Michaels does a hundred times yeah. better than Triple Like in an overblown Triple H match. Yeah, of yeah, course. Shawn Michaels does so good with John Cena. You wonder why the fuck was Triple H feuding with yeah, John? Shawn Michaels is a hundred times. He has this great match with Cena. And then the next night, he has like an hour long match with <laughs> him. That's on Raw. incredible. And he wins. And he wins. Non title. Yeah. Non title. And you're just like, why the triple h is shit man like <laughs> compared it's like, to sean yeah yes. it's just like it's like sean michaels is like oh i'll stand in and and like with his pinky finger he's like a hundred <laughs> yeah, times like a hundred times better than him and it just makes triple h look dumb yep. like you know what i mean it's just like it just again just it's this like this guy wants to be sean michaels Shawn Michaels stand back, lets him be Shawn Michaels, and he sucks at it. Like, I know. That's what it always felt like to me. He just wasn't as good. Yeah. And then there's one major reunion. I mean, they they have like these one-off reunions. I don't want to get into that because that doesn't really count. But the last notable thing that happened with the DX version was the 09-2010 version. And stupidly notable because like when Bret Hart returns mm-hmm. in his stupid jean shorts in January 2010... Right. Shawn Michaels comes out in his dumb DX like right, half cause he, shirt because he's like doing that Ugh! and like they look dumb. They both so they look both, stupid. They both look like idiots. Old as fuck. They're both old as fuck wearing the dumbest shit and they like give each other a big hug. You know, Shawn Michaels. You know, I'm friends with you now. I think it's time to bury the hatchet. Yeah. Ooh, and, and they then, just look and stupid and as hell. After that, they go and sit in a room with JR and dissect the last 20 years for some reason. Why'd you hate each other? <laughs> Fuck. And then they're both like, oh, you know, it just kind of happened. We don't know. <laughs> we like, actually liked each other. It, it just, we didn't even really hate each other that much. Yeah, like, the weird. That's the weirdest <laughs> thing that comes out of all of this is that at the end of the day, it's it like. It was like we a were, year that they, they didn't like, like each other. You know, we were really just, it was just like three months. <laughs> like, and like, we got really mad and, uh, you know, I was leaving and it, it all just kind of happened. Sorry, like, I love you. It's like Sean's like, I, I don't even really fucking remember what happened. Like his <laughs> drugs. Like, I like my pills. And then uh, they just like they're friends yeah, forever. Like, like they like each other. Yeah. Now. It's funny. They probably like are texting now or something. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's like, be great. Sean, I just went hunting and Brett's like, you know, I'm in the snow or something Shut in up. Calgary. <laughs> just, that's anyway, probably what it is. That's DX for you. A lot of it wasn't that good, but the very beginning was very good. It seems to be a recurring theme for some yeah. of these stables. Quinn, is it ranking time? Sure. All right, let's run them down again real quick. Number one, NWO. Two, the Hart Foundation. Three, the Freebirds. Four, Evolution. Five, the Nation. Six, the Heenan Family. Quinn, I think we can safely bypass a bunch here for the Horsemen. Oh, yes. Heenan Family, Horsemen are better. The Nation, uh-huh. Horsemen are better. Sorry, yes. but I mean, they are. Evolution. Well, the horsemen have, have to, to be, be better. better. Yeah, it's because evolution is a spinoff. Is there even a question that uh, the horsemen are better than the freebirds? They are because. <laughs> so here's Come the thing. On. Here's the thing with the freebirds is the freebirds are like a lot of people say. Well, 1979, they're like very origin yeah, stable. Yeah. However, mean, the horsemen were like the perfected, as we said, right? Yeah. They, they're just better. First doesn't always mean best, right? And yeah. also, the freebirds, like besides the one big, fe- they had a junkyard dog feud also before the Von Erichs. But like after eighty four, mm-hmm. who the what did they what did they ever do? Nothing. It's just like well, hell, I'm so, here. Here's the thing, and this is going to be the Horsemen's kind of HLE's heel, I guess. <laughs> they had these diminishing that weird period, but they also have the thing that the NWO has, where it's like, well, the formation was so fucking good I know. that like nobody seems to give a fuck. So what do we do? Heart Foundation versus Horsemen. So the Heart Foundation's strength, like we have said, is that it's uh, it's. 
it's short, right? But it, it's very, very good. Yeah. Right. It's uh, very concise. It's but to the point. The la- the problem is, is when you're short and you have two bad months, like they did with the fucking Patriot and everything. Uh, that's like that's also like a large chunk of the entire run. Unfortunately, yeah. that's true, Quinn. That kind of after SummerSlam, yeah, they fizzled out. Yeah. I mean, they were there, but it wasn't as good. Right. Exactly. Up to SummerSlam, though, right around SummerSlam time, they were really good. Exactly. But that's four months. Yeah, four that's months all- and then two bad months. But does it say a lot for them how fondly this is remembered and how good it was that they accomplished all this in right. four months? But also, you could also argue that, like, essentially at the end of the day, it was just a Bret Hart angle. I know it was. With, like, with his, with his family. Yeah, which is almost every Bret Hart angle. With Listen, <laughs> I, I'm the... My family! Stop. Yeah, you're right, though. Yeah. yeah. Get the rhino a job. Yeah. I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. That's known if you listen to this show. But I'm not going to try to argue. The I mean, horsemen the horsemen. are more important, more influential, and probably overall better and even than the you, Hart Foundation. Even if you just want to compare, like, a year of each, that first year of Four Horsemen is, like, the best fucking shit. Yeah, it's I so know. Go- it's so good. Horsemen 85 to 88 it itself is yeah. really good. Um, it's amazing. And, yeah. they, and it's like they're writing the rules of stables, like, as it's, like, all occurring. I know. So then that's that's what kind of what I figured it would come down to here is NWO versus the Horsemen. This is the Horsemen- so tough for me. Does the Horseman have what it takes to knock the NWO off the number one spot? I think it does. Okay, so I'm I'm, I don't I'm, know. I'm torn. I'm okay. torn here because I really I really like both. Here's my here's my problem All is right. that if you're gonna critique the NWO for like a thousand people and being like in the wilderness essentially for like two years or whatever that was, yeah, you can't say that and not say well the Horseman did exactly the same thing and in fact they were like in the wilderness for much longer. Like from like yeah. for like four to five years from like eighty nine to ninety five or ninety four or something. 95. Yeah, that's the thing. NWO was really, really, really good from its formation, in my opinion, until nineteen ninety seven, and then after that, bad. I don't like them after nineteen ninety seven. Right. Now they were around in 1998. Then they split off and they had the Wolfpack thing. Is it saying a lot though that just like the Four Horsemen that the NWO because the formation was so strong, just like the Four Horsemen, that people followed the NWO even in the bad years because they were like, well, mm-hmm. I can't let go of this. Right? It's like it was so good. I want to know what the hell happens to the NWO. Right? It was the same thing with the Horsemen. Nobody could ever let go of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Quinn. You know. Here's the thing with the Four Horsemen, right? 85 to 88 was good. The Yamakaze, Yamazaki Corporation was not. The 1990-91 was okay. Sid Safety Scissors Edition, all that. 93 was BS. The 95-96 was really good. Yes. That's the whole thing, is there's that comeback And the Mongo era, too, in the 97. The Jeff Jarrett stunk butt. Anything with woman and Liz was fun. It's good. Yeah. Brian Pillman. Yeah. The NWO was anything good after '97? In all seriousness, no. Um, the one good thing was the um the whole feud between the Wolfpack and the White and Black. Yeah, the one. Wolfpack. I the, know the Wolfpack. Yes, they were great. But even that wasn't that long. No, but I mean, I mean, what? How long was this '95 thing? Like a year? It was from '95 to '96 about, and then they started. '97. Did it last that long? Yeah. Okay. Mongo, I mean, Mongo was what there. Was, what, what, the Pillman came in, like, that was late 95, though, right? Pillman so, was late 95. Right. Yes, it was the fall of 95. Right. Pillman and, and, and Voldemort. And they lasted into about early 97-ish, so, you know, a year Pillman and a half Pillman left and Mongo so. replaced him, yeah. yeah. And then Jarrett wandered in, it was a whole thing. Yeah, but, a year and a half or so before yeah. it started to get diluted again. All right, I, I think their peaks are very comparable. This is and a I very, like, side-by-side. Side. 
They are so basically this comes down to do you like the eighties or do you like the nineties? Part of like, the that's all it is. Well, what did it do for the people involved and the company is another way to measure this. I mean, Hulk Hogan was a central figure of one. Ric Flair was a central figure of another. Uh, Hogan was already established, but it reinvented him. Right. Flair, it added to what he already was. Right. Right. He would have still been. He already was Ric Flair. I will say this. Nobody would have ever given two shits about Iron Anderson unless um, he was in the Four Horsemen. What about Tully? Well, Tully, Tully was, was already semi-established. Yeah, he was already a name. Arn kind of was, but he was rather new still. He was yeah. only in the business a no, few years. The re- there's a reason Tully was the mid-carter because yeah. he was like he was like a draw in that territory. Right. You know? It really did a lot for Barry Windham. Mm-hmm. It did uh, a lot for Ric Flair, too. It did a lot for Sting feuding with them. Right. To be fair, right? It did a lot for Magnum. It did more for the people feuding with them than it did for well, the, the people in it. And it didn't do the dick N- for anyone feuding with the NWO. Right. The NWO. It did not. Well, they didn't get anyone okay, the over. The one thing I will say is it, it reinvented the Sting character into something that was very... Regardless, I'm not talking about the angles. I'm talking about like merchandising and shit. Yeah, that crow sting. Yes, that literally is all rooted in the NWO. Oh, it absolutely is. Down to the colors he wore. I can't argue that. Yeah, that is that crow sting that is actually oddly become the sting that people remember more than the like surfer version. People, some people probably don't. I think a lot of mainstream. What mainstream? Sting's I, not mainstream. I mean, if you ask people who are like, oh, I remember Sting, the guy with the bat. Depends on how like, old they are. Yeah. If, if they're older, they're going to remember the guy with the bleach blonde spiky hair and the rat tail, right. duck tail. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, can you name, and I'm, this is an honest question because I can't, anyone besides Sting that benefited from feuding with the NWO? I don't think there are any. All in Nash, DDP. No, feuding with the NWO. DDP. No, he, he got over before that, didn't he? No, I guess. All right, DDP. I'll give you that. You're he, right, because Randy Savage. Randy Savage. Okay, you're DDP. right. You're right. There's not a lot, I'm trying though. To think of, there definitely was other people who benefited. Like, for example, like nobody would have ever given two fucks about Roddy Piper again if he didn't feud with the NWO. I don't know, but that was a horrible feud, No, it was horrible. I'm not terrible. saying it was good. But, okay, the other one, the other one, Goldberg. He was over before the NWO. He was. He was over because of the streak. But it, it's, it was saying something that they said, Goldberg's got to beat the leader of the NWO for him to really, like, well, break through and be he had the, the title. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, that was also, it was just like, he was feeding with, like, Raven's flock. He was feeding with everyone. Yeah. He beat everyone. Right, exactly. So, but, that, but he was already over, is what I'm trying to say. But mm-hmm. you're right. It benef- he benefited from beating yeah, Hogan. And internally right. in the NWO, honestly, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were the, huge. the other huge beneficiaries of Buff being in the Bagwell. NWO. Buff Bagwell. Yeah, he was like He would have been nothing. He would have been nothing. You're Scott Steiner. Right. Scott Steiner. Big yep. reinvention there. So it helped people in the NWO. It Jeff gave, Jarrett, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it gave life to Randy Savage. Again, that heel turn and the DDP yeah, feud. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we wouldn't... It was Savage helpful. wouldn't even had an opportunity to reinvent himself if it wasn't for that darker savage uh-huh. i mean i know we don't like the what up match era but that's no, all poopy that's all based in this more like badass randy savage version yeah it is you know who else was in that that really benefited i mean that, that's enough right there i think there's a lot of people who were literally saturday night canon like fucking big bubba yeah, and like all that's all bad though. I know, mike I, rotundo and I, vincent I, and all that I, it's I'm all just crap sean waltman was a big beneficiary oh huge because yeah that you're right the because character. honestly that's Xbox. he was coming off crybaby match yeah and like he was in yeah. there and he would never have had the opportunity had he not been in the nba and then went back to wwe would to be, be an like X-Buck. this whole second run yep in dx okay so i think the nwo might have helped 
but see, it's hard to say because it's, I mean, the Horseman with the Rock and Roll Express. There's a lot of people there too. There's that all this effects on other people. Shit, yeah, it's, hard, it, this is a hard one because it, it, it like it's like a cue ball effect, right? It's like yeah. if the NWO doesn't exist, that's the other thing we forgot to say is that the other thing that both these these have is that they were they benefited the companies. They their whole the whole company was based around these two stables in both instances. J- JCP did huge business because of the Horseman feuds and WCW. <laughs> I mean, beat the fucking WWF for two eighty three weeks. Yeah, because NWO. You that, know what? I hate to say this to the purists out there, but if there's no NWO, Vince is crushing WCW, running away with it. Yeah, yeah, running away. Whereas, with it. as great as Croc, look, just because the Horsemen were the first of their kind doesn't necessarily make them the best, best, best. And and you know what? You can make an argument that they are. If yeah. you're, if you like Ric Flair, then I have no way to convince you. I mean, if you look at the NBO and just not that I'm like, I'm in the WCW high command and I know what they're thinking. But if you look at the pattern of business, the idea almost was like, maybe we don't need a, a new four horsemen, but we need a new heel faction period to center this company around because the only, only time we had success was when we had a huge heel faction yeah. anchoring the company, right? And that's yeah. what the NWO turned into. Maybe it was maybe oh it copied some Japanese thing or whatever the it fuck. Did. At the end of the day, from like a strictly like basic level, it's a heel faction that grounds the company and is in the it's like it's it's like the sun in everyone's in its orbit. Like everyone's feuding with it. You know what though? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I also have to say this. I think the horse uh, the NWO did more damage in the long term and the horsemen did no damage because the NWO took over the fucking everything and actually started to really get stale and horrible. Like the horseman was bad quality wise for a few of those years. But the NWO like ruined their programming for a while and really got bland and repetitive. Can I ask you a real question though? Yeah. How much of that is the concept of the NWO's fault versus the concept of say the Four Horsemen? Because we see the same breakdown of WCW when the Four Horsemen start to fall apart. The whole company is a fucking mess after the Four Horsemen kind of disband. So it's really an effect, not a cause. Right. It's like when you build your company around a stable and then that stable like starts to get diluted, have too many people. Like even even the four horsemen, there's all these like weird people in it and shit. Like corporations, like fucking Kendall Wyndham. Kendall. Yeah, you know what I mean? Reed lingering. Once you start either making it bigger or like making it expand into things it shouldn't. Right. Or like even tape pulling it apart and not having it make it feud with itself the four horsemen did that too everything falls apart all right i have a proposition for you then yeah i could put either one at number one and uh again if you're it's gonna come down for our fans to preference you either prefer the nwo i think or you you prefer the horsemen i think it's simply do you like 90s or do you like 80s yeah or do you like flair do you like hogan yeah honestly I am okay with keeping the Horsemen at number two. Me too. I honestly, but I could easily reverse that if to me if they th- got there first. This is one of the closer ties, like that we. I know we never are allowed to do a tie, whatever. No, but we're not. Like this is like so. This is just this is whoever just, got there first. I think. Meaning the NWO drew number one first, so it's yeah. yeah I mean, you know what I mean. You it, can't make a case that the Four Horsemen are any better or worse than not the NWO. Worse, but it's just that the NWO really. I think did more to bump WC and I don't have the numbers. I'm just going with a gut instinct. The NWO did so much for WCW's business. Yeah. Whereas the horseman maybe did too, 
but WCW uh, lived literally lived or died off the NWO. Literally, yeah, that's they probably they blew up after there was after they had to take the NWO apart, yeah. like or even modify it. Like the the original NWO was so strong that it carried the company. Okay, so the NWO stays at number one, right? Barely, but it does. Yeah. Now the X, the X, yes, I. I uh, they're better than the Heenan family, I think, but better than the Nation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that DX is that good. I mean, it was like entertaining. It was the answer to the NWO. It was sort of. of its time. It was, but I mean, it wasn't. They didn't do the same thing. It was of its time. It's very South Park, Howard Stern yeah. era. But long term, did it do that much good? It's weird. It's like answering the NWO with Raven's Flock. Yeah, like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like it's like this smaller thing, like that's disruptive. It's a it's lot got, of fun. Yeah, and it's got two wrestlers that are heavily pushed in, like you know, extremely overpowered in WF canon. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just like how the Hart Foundation is, right? It's like Bret Hart, right? Yeah, it's a, right. It's like, they're, 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 it's the same, it's the, it follows the, the staple of like, it's centered around one of the top wrestlers in the company. Like right. The Four Horsemen and stuff like that. It only had about a one year run of actually being good. Truthfully, right. by the end of 98, it was over. It was never the same again. Right. Uh, through the summer of 98, after the ladder match, it's downhill. And that's it. The as prob- far as I'm My concerned. biggest problem with it is Triple H infection. Yeah. Like I, it, Triple H's I, ambition takes over. I, I don't like any of the reunions. I don't think any of that is good. I don't. I think that hurts it as a thing. Where do you think... Where? What's your gut feel? Where should it start to com- be competing? I think it's better than the Heenan family in the nation, but maybe that's it. I don't even know if it's better than the nation. I think it's better than ever. I don't know that it's better than the nation. No. No, I, think, I don't know if I it think is. I think it's better. It was, it was very popular. Well, it didn't have Crush, so I guess you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was... It, it was... I think we're shortchanging it. If huh? it was I popular, think we're shortchanging right. it if we say it's below evolution. I think it's right above okay. that, but the Freebirds, okay, okay, maybe not because the Freebirds, like we said, was just massive for world class. Like it was just insane, right? Like, Whereas DX was great, but in an era where Austin was still going to be the main draw, I think. I don't think if you ask Shawn Michaels and Triple H in a room in real life if they were better than the Freebirds, they would say no. <laughs> probably because they because because they're very big wrestling historians both those dudes and yeah. they'd be like this shit was just something we did <laughs> you know I what know. i mean like it wasn't better than the Freebirds, right the outlaws had already gotten over on their own but it certainly helped them yeah to be in this face version of dx triple h just if he didn't have Shawn michaels as a friend i don't know how over he would have been no so, i'm not kidding it's crazy. He's talented. How, Don't it's get crazy me wrong. how much Triple H pulls from being associated with Shawn Michaels to make himself seem better. There's two people in the WWF that really helped Triple H more than anybody, and, and I'm not talking about Stephanie McMahon, by the way. Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. And Triple H knows this, by the way. It's not like he doesn't know it. I mean, he's and a Vince, talented and the wrestler. Of Vince McMahon. Yeah. But he's a talented wrestler. Don't get me wrong. He really is. No, he, he's and, very talented. And even I always liked um, there was a comment that The Undertaker once made Hi. where he like Triple H was actually like he he admits this, that there was a while when him and Steph were first dating. Yeah, that he was saying to himself, it's like he, he actually personally was saying to himself and I guess others backstage, he said, I feel like people think and I and I feel part of it is that I'm only over because I'm married to the boss's daughter or dating the boss's daughter. Right. And Undertaker literally publicized that that's not true. It's like, you know, you're good. He like, is good. Like it's like and Undertaker, like even like gave the thumbs up of approval. It's like, no, this guy's good. It's yeah. just, you know, he's got baggage because of his personal life. Yeah. And like, you know what I mean? But he's a good performer. He is. 
is. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to take that away from Triple right, H. He yeah. really is. It's just, was. it's just, it's He's a not, lot. Of, it's a lot of the booking decisions make him look like this hanger on. Yeah. That like it's like, oh well, he's hanging on the coattails of Shawn Michaels right. or, or whatever. Or over because of Mick Foley, or he or, thinks he's Ric Flair. All these yeah, weird things. Yeah. And he's not any of those things. He, right. He's a good wrestler, but exactly. Was DX better than the Freebirds? Long term, maybe. Um, Short term business that the Freebirds did. I mean, that was huge for world class. But after that, yeah. I don't know. But the Freebirds are such a revolutionary. I think yeah. it's, it, it, they're recognized as this thing that told you how to do stables, like even more so than the Four Horsemen. And truthfully, there wouldn't have been a DX without the NWO existing first, I don't think. Yeah, and, all, and I think every single um, faction will always say there wouldn't be any of us if it wasn't for the Freebirds. They always, every yeah. time they talk about it, it's always that no, nothing would ever be a thing if it wasn't for the Freebirds. DX number five then, leave the Freebirds at four? Yeah, sure. Weird. Okay, let's do it then. I'll, um. We're sure about this, right? I think I'm good with this, yeah. Okay. I'm okay. Um, listen, DX was funny. They had that funny, you know, thing where they cursed a lot. It's great, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. They didn't I don't know how great it was for the business, honestly. I mean, it was good for t-shirts. It was good for um their television ratings, I'll tell you that it was much. Good, yeah, but that was mainly Austin when it, Quinn. When it, when it matters. It was mainly Steve Austin. Yeah, but who knows what would happen in between. People might have switched back to WCW instead instead of staying on because I remember That's that was the, that was the thing, Joe, is that like what? The problem with WF at the, you know, when they first had Austin, a lot of times I would just be like, oh, okay, Austin's on, then I go back. But then it was stuff like DX and the nation getting better that kept me there until a yeah, point okay. that was like in 98 where I just never even flipped back. Yeah, since WCW got yeah. horrible also. Yeah. All right, but you want to keep DX at number five with yes, all that said? Yes, Okay, so let's uh, run it down here. We have some new stuff to go over. At number one is still barely the NWO, but two is the Four Horsemen, which makes sense. Three, the Heart Foundation... They're up high. Yeah. Four are the Freebirds. Five is DX. Six, Evolution. Seven, The Nation. And eight is the Hina family. Folks, let us know your rankings and let us know why. Not just that we're wrong and stupid. Right. Uh, maybe we are, but let us know why we are, okay? Because that's more fun to discuss. Uh, you can do that, of course, on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we are reviewing something old and dirty. It is the WWA. And that'll be coming up right after this. I got news for you. Sometime during this show, we are going to cross paths. And you talk about us being degenerates. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of Generation X getting right. a bad rap. You think you're a degenerate? What? You think you're a degenerate? Well, I mean... I'm, I mean, I'm positive I'm one. I guess I'd have to be one. Well, you know what? Generation X always gets a bad rap. Everybody calls me degenerates. Degeneration X. Is that us? Degeneration X. Triple H. HBK. China. Ravishing Rick. We are the Generation X. You make your rules and we will break them. Yeah. You guys aren't going to make it to the Survivor Series. You won't make it that far. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the New Day podcast hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston and Big E. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. New Day Podcast. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern front 
Riverside Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's booking the territory. So again, our three friends of the show. The New Day Podcast. Greetings from Allentown and booking the territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for still being with us here after a monstrous Royal Ranking session. Right. Uh, we appreciate that here in episode number 197. Quinn. Yes. Reviewing something. That's what we do. We do it. We're still doing it. We always do it. Now, this is... <laughs> we always do it. This was the WWA, and I picked this, and I'm sorry. World Wildlife Association? <laughs> no, what World Wrestling Association. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's World Wrestling Association's All-Star Championship Wrestling from 1974. No specific date seems to be known on this. Not Hamburg. No, not Hamburg. Yeah. Now, what this is, folks, this was a promotion in Indianapolis. Yes. Indiana, that is. That's where that is. Oh, that's a, that's a nice place. Yeah, they have race cars there. They like Rome. basketball. Yeah, like basketball pacers and stuff like that. Jim Barnett owned this original NWA territory. Are you serious? Yeah. Of course he did. Now, to show you how long this is, he sold it to Dick the Bruiser and Wilbur Snyder. What, him? Yes, in 1964. Good Lord. So Jim Barnett was already selling this shit off in the 60s. This shit was ancient. Now, oh my goodness. It may surprise you, Quinn, to know that this promotion was around. Do you want to guess a year? 1983. 89. Whoa. Really late. Wow. So this was like a lot of promotions. Shit survived? Yeah. Ugh. Like a lot of promotions in the 70s and into the 80s, a, a respectable roster of people passed through, uh, one or two of which we will see today. Right, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, your Ivan Koloffs were there, Ox Baker, people like that, Red Bastine, a lot of just these old-timey 60s, 70s guys. You oh, know, yeah, this, like is very, guys. this is very old-timey. Bob Geigel was there. Wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bobo Brazil. I thought he was old in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Uh, a lot of people had that. Gene Kineski, Ernie Ladd, like the Blackjacks. Yeah. It's just one of those. Mi- very Midwestern. Yeah. Had an association with Vern Gagne for a while in the 70s and 80s, which, cool. Um, <laughs> but it was a breeding ground for a few very famous people. We're going to get to see one of them. Uh, and it did what it did. I mean, it's one of those territories. It wasn't probably a big money maker, but it. Obviously, was in business for 25 years. Just another chain in the NWA armor, huh? Pretty just, much, basically. Just, just another territory. Dick the Brewster basically tried to um, have a quick competing with Vince in the mid-80s with his TV. Didn't I don't know work, why he would try, no, that, would try this, that Yeah, and He just stopped. He's like, oh, enough of this shit. Yeah, and yeah. he stopped in 89. So anyway, we're going to get into an episode that you can find on a YouTube channel, Dave Dynasty's YouTube channel. I believe he is a friend of the show and in the OVP Facebook group. So thank you, Dave, for this excellent YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I was able to track this on there. If you want to look for it, you'll find that it's WWA All-Star Championship Wrestling from 1974. And Quinn, we get a tremendous song here. It's like a 60s spy-style song to open. I kind of like the song. Yeah, with wrestling on film. Like, <laughs> yeah. not, like it's clearly like it's on film. 16 millimeter yes, or something. Yes, Gordon's yeah. Film Room. Yeah. And uh, Sam Menneker is here to greet us. Who? Well, <laughs> who's this now? I know we've seen him on something. I cannot for the life of me remember what promotion we saw him on. Probably oh like six months ago anyway he was a wrestler in the 40s and then like an announcer how much, uh, how much do i have to say like 40s on this right it's a lot of 40s it's a lot of world war ii he's very yeah. old timey yeah this guy and old sam is at ringside he literally fucks up on his fourth word he's like hi there wrestling fams well, he's been on this a while it doesn't matter yeah they're not firing him <laughs> no hi there wrestling fans welcome again to all-star championship wrestling 
Wobbly Sam here says, uh, we're going to have a great card before throwing it to commercial. Looks like if Gorilla Monsoon and Jack Arnold had a child, they grew up to be older than them <laughs> and also smoked a lot. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that is kind of Very specific. Looks. Very yeah. old time look to him, yeah. though. You know, like bourbon, yeah. very bourbon and, and whiskey and cigars type uh, uh, of guy. Like a guy who invested a lot in one suit and <laughs> wears it a lot, you know? It's custom cufflinks and things like he's that. Going, he's going to the... Um, the swanky part of the hotel every night. The get, Hyatt. Yeah, the Hyatt, like in the, the lounge or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, we're back here from commercial. We have the very popular Cowboy Bob Ellis in the ring. Okay, first of all, this looks like a dump, but wow, is it packed. People actually went to see this shit. Yeah, I guess like, so, man. Was, this place is hopping. Yeah, like, I don't know a lot about the territory. If you guys do, let me know, but a lot of territories did good business right for I mean, a while i mean you're the the view of this arena it, it's not big but it's very packed like, it's, it's just it's a lot of people there packed to the brim they're there for the wrestling far in the back like you know what i mean like they, they, hey, everyone's man. there they like their wrestling so cowboy's opponent is accompanied by the blackjacks that is lanza mulgan it's pretty boy Bobby Heenan. Yeah, this is that old pretty boy <laughs> He's edition. He's not even a brain He's yet. Not, he hasn't brained yet. Now, this is actually where Bobby got his start in wrestling. Dick the is Bruiser really? took him under his wing. Yeah, because he's from Indianapolis. Not, okay. Not Beverly Hills. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he took him under his wing and uh, he started as like a ring boy and an errand boy and eventually worked his way up to becoming a wrestler and manager. This is that era Makes for Bobby sense Heenan. why he um, did uh, WrestleMania 8 then. <laughs> Indianapolis' <laughs> favorite Bobby. See, yeah. he wasn't kidding when he yeah, said that. I, I thought that was just him Bobby Knight reference. No, he's, actually, uh, he's actually from Indiana. That's crazy. Yep. So he wanders in on crutches as Sam goes over to find out what in the Sam Hill this is all about. Sam literally charges up to the ring. He's like, what the hell, dude? Already making a big scene even in the 70s. Bobby's like ridiculous. Yeah, he, very, very ridiculous. And I saw you recently and you were perfectly all right. No, let me explain what happened. Came down to watch the matches. Now, as I did that, I fell and hit my knee on the step. I've had it checked, and I just can't wrestle tonight. And he explains, you know, he was down here watching the wrestling matches. He came down, he fell. He hurt his knee on the step, so he can't wrestle. He wanted to beat this farmer, this hayseed hillbilly. <laughs> and the big fat ref, by the way, keeps Ellis at bay while Bobby just continues this charade. Like how Sam is already aware of Bobby's bullshit, even in 1974. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sam's like, what the fuck, yeah, man? Sam's like, I don't believe this. Get him out of here! Like, <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, half expecting Gorilla to <laughs> yeah. say, I mean, this guy looks like him, so. You know what's crazy about Bobby? What? He's literally only like 29 or 30 here. Oh, I mean, he looks young. Yeah, but it's just crazy. You know, you never see him that He's young. super th- Thin too. Yeah, you very thin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bobby says, you know what? Let's pass, let's postpone the match. You know, for five or six months. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Bobby shit. What a scene. <laughs> five or six yeah, months. It's so specific. It's too. very Bobby, right? It, like later on in the in the he keeps saying, like, no, five months. Five Don't months, worry. Five, five months. months. Five months. Specifically five months. And then Blackjack Lanza just chimes in as a hype man. He's like, Yeah. Um yeah. Cowboy Ellis, by the way, thinks Bobby's full of shit. And even the ref gets on the mic. He's yeah. like, Hey, if you sign for this, you have to do it. I hurt my leg. Would you check and see? If it would be okay if they could postpone this for a couple months, maybe five or six months. If you sign for this match, then you got to go through it. No, no, wait, no, wait a minute about this. This is going to hurt me. I realize. And I got to say, I love this is how this show started. Yeah, it's like, just like, very, like, Out abrupt. of the gate, yep, there's yep. problems. Anyway, the mics aren't open, by the way, so the crowd can't even hear anything. And then randomly we're informed that the State Athletic Commission, those thieves, yeah, they're, they're doing something here. Mm. Every, this... <laughs> 
it's like a cancer on the no wonder Vince was just like fuck this we're like, not real yeah it's <laughs> like, that? fuck you we're it's not like, real it's, okay it's like, like, gonna, like so that they're not like fuck you pay me yeah, on like every show like pretty much yeah uh, Sam leaves the ring Bobby continues to plead his case just begging for this match not to start yup very Bobby about yep. it Finally, the ring announcer gets in the ring and just fucking starts the show. He's good. He's like, all right, well, here we go. We have Bob Ellis. He weighs in at 252 pounds, Bobby 232, and he's already being billed from Beverly Hills. I didn't Seems realize like it. a Bobby thing that, yeah. from the beginning, right? And his opponent for this match at 232 pounds from Beverly Hills, California, the one and only pretty boy, Bobby Heenan. Well, fans, I don't know how we can have this match because Heenan just claims he absolutely cannot wrestle by the way the blackjacks are just stooging around with bobby the refs very very oh my god the refs trying to yank the crutch away bobby tries a sneak attack on the crutch but ellis actually fights back then the blackjacks attack but ellis fights them off too good good for you ellis big bulldog on lanza then he goes to work on mulligan bulldog for him too bobby is screwed as he leaps over the rope tries to get the hell out of there he's hiding like with sam menninger and the ref is just casually counting him out and the Cowboy is the winner to nice applause. Ellis puts his hat back on and goes out to talk to Sam now. And he's basically like, I don't know what the hell his problem was. Gee golly. All hick about it. Okay, Bob. Like, yeah. ah. I didn't need to, d- to hear from you. Like, <laughs> and then Sam's like, Cowboy Bob Ellis. What a great man. Okay, calm down. Thank you very much, fans. Cowboy Bob Ellis. What a great man. Bobby leaps back out of the ring now to bitch more about being counted out as we fade to commercial. Still making a scene as we go to break. Feeling like the Bobby Heenan hour here. Yeah. Uh, we come back where Sam is now in a wood paneled basement in front of a curtain or something. Very 70s. <laughs> Very. He admonishes, you could probably practically see the lava lamp in the corner. Uh, he admonishes everyone that, yeah, we're getting a lot of mail for the wrestlers. Great. But don't send it to the fucking station. Yeah. S- send it to P.O. Box 22342, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46222. Because the wrestlers are going to get the mail faster, okay? okay? Don't send it to the station, assholes. Like, <laughs> Basically. It's almost like somebody like the mailboy at the station was just like, can you tell these people? <laughs> like, stop mailing Dick the Bruiser shit. Like, we stop. Like, we don't. He doesn't live here. He doesn't work here. Like, just stop mailing it here. What are they even writing? Hi, I, I like you. Like, can, you they... can you have a title match, please? <laughs> like, with um, Bob Ellis? Yeah, I, exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> Stupid questions. Yeah. <laughs> that is the 70s. Anyway, Sam now brings in the uh, WWA Tag Team Champions, the Legionnaires. And these two look like complete dorks with their dumb hats. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. It's Private Don Fargo. Uh, by the way, the uh, brother of Jackie Fargo. Uh-huh. And Sergeant Jacques Goulet. Now, is he related to Jacques Rougeau or anything like no, that? But no, but you know what it is? What? It's Rene Goulet. Oh, okay. That's the him? Rene Goulet, oh, yeah. he doesn't look like crap. <laughs> <laughs> he looks decent. Well, he's like, you know, the spry 43 here or something. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, probably something like oh, that. My, he's old. How old was he? He was old, man. Oh, my He was goodness. old. Uh, anyway, Sam's like, hey, how'd you guys get together? Because, you know, Goulet is from France, but Fargo's an American. And <laughs> Goulet with the weirdest to me was like, I don't care. You just sign up for this foreign legion shit for five years. You meet people. <laughs> I like him. He's all, you join for five years. You fucking fight. Whatever. Like, parlez-vous scrambled eggs, grandma. Like, you know what I mean? Guess I say. Uh, Fargo then barges in. He's like, eh, it's my damn business. No one else's. By the way, we're making it sound. It's not a good promo no, or anything. Terrible. Yeah. it's terrible. It's so long. Something, something Corsica. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what are they talking about? I have no idea what's going on here. By the way, their tag belts look horrendous. Oh, hideous. They look homemade. Just like it's a piece of like tin. Piece of aluminum on foil a, on and a cardboard. leather belt. 
terrible. Yeah. Anyway, Fargo rambles on and on about how Goulet was his drill instructor and he was on Kitchen Patrol a lot. Please end this. It's horrible. Finally, Sam does end it. We go back to ringside, up to our ring announcer, and he introduces the Dean of Wrestling Referees. Cue the Dean Douglas sound effect. I mean, geez. His name's like Cunt Barker or something. I don't know. <laughs> First, we have from Downers Grove, Illinois, Angelo Poffo. Wait, he's wearing a fucking genius hat? He's wearing a genius hat! What? <laughs> is that where Lanny got this shit from? What? Can you imagine? I've never heard that, but what if it is? Oh my god. He's just. I swear, it's Angelo Poffo wearing a fucking the graduation hat. And the robe. And the robe! I, I couldn't believe it. I, I seriously so, couldn't believe it. This is so weird. And I it made did not me like be like, wait a sec. The genius isn't like a thing he made up. It's actually like just a rip off. My dad was the genius. Yeah. Like, imagine they were. They're a weird family. Anyway, Lanny's. I mean, uh, Angelo's opponent here is Wilbur Snyder, the world's most scientific wrestler. What? World's most scientific wrestler. He's wearing a lab coat. Also the booker. Yeah. One of the bookers. Yeah. I don't. That's that, never good. I, I don't like that moniker. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the referee, Charlie Parker, whatever his name is, gets everyone all set. Poffo sneaks in a stupid punch. We have a bell. Poffo avoids lock up. Go behind by Snyder. Switch arm drag. Take down here. Both men up. Poffo with a hammer lock. Reversed by Wilbur. Poffo reverses again. Then back to Wilbur again. Back elbow off the ropes. Shoulder block by Poffo. Off the ropes again. And Wilbur catches him in a nice arm bar takedown. Arm, arm. And can I note, by the way, did, we didn't say this, but Poffo's trunks yes. are like rainbow color like randy savage so yes. he's literally like a combo pack of genius and fucking randy savage it's uh, unbelievable my one my brother took the hat and i took the uh, bottom you know what yeah. i'm saying uh-huh. uh standing position now hammerlock by snyder leg sweep escape by poffo punch by poffo return by snyder lock up again break another snyder with a big slap poffo charges arm arm drag by snyder poffo then bails to the outside but gets brought in the hard way Armbar on the map by Snyder here. More like Snyder's pretzels. God, he's so bland. <laughs> Awful. This is so bad. Snyder's pretzels are good, though, huh? Yeah, Not they bad. are good. Pretty good. Maybe I'll get some for lunch. You should. Uh, standing wrist lock now by Wilbur. Punch up by Poffo. Body slam gets two. Wilbur with a slam of his own. Poffo begs off. Overhand wrist lock by Wilbur. And Poffo is in trouble. As I want to go to bed. <laughs> it's so... It's so... It's very 70s. You're saying all these moves and all this stuff, and it seems good, but it's like boring and long i hate it <laughs> snyder turns this into an armbar takedown keeps that going on the mat poffa back up big punches out irish whip snyder with a huge punch side headlock takeover by snyder as maybe the ref is connie marker it doesn't matter what That'd his name connie is connie mac <laughs> how old everything is here jeez <laughs> i'm not wearing a fucking uniform yeah, I'm wearing exactly. a fuck you i'm not wearing a fucking uniform what is that <laughs> i don't know he's like the only person ever they let do it or something because he, i don't he's think grandfathered in i think you're allowed to I just don't know if, I, like, I think you're allowed not to. God, I mean, he looks like fucking Calvin Coolidge. I just never could understand it. <laughs> Calvin Coolidge! He does. What a reference here he, on well, OVP. Well, the thing is, is that, didn't he start managing in, like, the 20s? And he, like, ended in, like, the early 50s or something? Quinn, I, I want to look this up to be sure, but I swear it's, like, 1901 or something. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> wait, it's, like, on. 50 years or something. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Like, he remembers the first World Series. It is 1901. And when did it end? 1950. That guy, I could never... How do you even have a managing career that long? I started was he, 100 when he 87. Started? Yeah, good lord. Yeah, anyway, riding on the mat, it's, the, it's I remember when than, baseball started. Like, before like, uh, the World Series? Yeah. It's insane. I re, yeah, it's like, what was he like? 
what was he at the first game in the Civil War at the like at the camps? <laughs> he and might stuff? have yeah. been. He was born in the 1800s. Oh, this game's fun. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> this looks like fun. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to this exciting matchup here, riding on the mat. And by the way, during this, I checked the comments on the YouTube, and apparently this match itself is from 1972, but Sam's commentary is new. Anyway, Poffo's back up, corner whips, some punches, and a snap mare to a chin lock on the mat. As I check how much longer is left on YouTube. Listen, I don't mind you. I don't mind, Quinn. I get it. Uh, Poffo, by the way, looks like a fatter Quentin Tarantino doing an Elvis impression. <laughs> he just does, okay? Look at the tape. He does. Mm -hmm. uh, Poffo keeps switching to a chokehold before going back to a chin lock. Come on. Anyway, Sam uh, Monsoon here mentions that this isn't necessarily a winning hold, but it's a weakening hold as Wilbur's up to one knee all the way now. Shove off, duck down, leapfrog by Wilbur. Nice flying head scissors, but Poffo gets his legs on the ropes. Then the ref keeps kicking his feet off the ropes. What the hell is this? I don't isn't know. That the, isn't he supposed to break it up? Yeah, if you're on the ropes, yes. Uh, Wilbur with a stomp. Poffo begs off in the corner. And you can definitely see the similarities here between Poffo and his two sons. You can see yeah, the influence. It is there. He's more genius than he is savage, though. That's true. He does wrestle more like uh, Lanny. Poffo is able to ram Snyder into the turnbuckles a few times. Please end. How long is this? <laughs> Beal out of the corner now, but Wilbur's back to a drop kick and a body slam, a knee drop. Wilbur with a hammerlock on the mat now. As a woman is drinking out of a Dixie cup in the <laughs> background, which is far more compelling than what I'm watching. Back up, Poffo with some right hands in the corner, charge, but Wilbur with a knee and his own punches. Children have grown into adults since this match started, seriously. Irish whip, backdrop by Poffo. And now, please, I beg you, please, please. Off the ropes again, and Wilbur locks in the abdominal stretch for the win. Oh, what a bunch of, even Gorilla would have been like, <laughs> that shit fucking worked, what a piece of crap Angelo <sighs> Poffo is. You know how Gorilla is. <laughs> and there's Wilbur. He spins around and takes the abdominal stretch. Now, I was in a good mood, so it wasn't bad in my opinion, but I knew you were going to hate this, Quinn, so I'm not surprised. I know. detested this. It's okay. I, yeah. I don't blame you. Uh, we get a break, and we come back to the basement with Sam, and he's with Handsome Johnny Starr, the manager of Ox Baker. Literally is the most 70s-looking man ever. Huge sweater, checker pants, long hair, mustache. It's ass. <laughs> it's total ass. And he's like this. He's very just whatever, this guy. And Sam's like, hey, you know, this, what happened last week on the wrestling matches? <laughs> That's what he says. This guy <laughs> work at the beach? Like, it's, it's just looks Yo, weird. Dude. Um, apparently last week, someone named Bold Eagle threw in a big tin wastebasket. But hey, it was a Texas death match, so anything goes but it hurt ox and johnny's like hey shut up sam bold eagle interfered the ox is in the process of making me the the meanest wrestler in the world uh, up on the same level with him the most sadistic and and i'm not far from there well, right thank now. you we'll hear more about that challenge a little later and now let's get back to wrestling following these messages sam basically just shoes him away and like moves on <laughs> he does like, i don't want to hear from you <laughs> anyway i looked up this mr star Apparently, he's now a reverend, Reverend John B. Davis. Ah. And the main reason he was brought into the WWA was to replace the outgoing Bobby Heenan ah. as a heel manager, because Bobby went to AWA right after this. Oh, like, I see. Literally. So Bobby's on his way out. Bobby's on his way out. Uh, we go back to the ringside now, where Kenny Dillinger is introduced to Big Booze. Okay, and his manager and intellectual advisor is with him, Mark Manson, and I shit you guys not, they're both wearing genius hats also? Is this some kind of a joke? Is this a stable? Like, Why what? did they steal Poffo's shit? Why are they all geniuses? That's three genius gimmicks. They must be in a stable, right? I'm I mean, have to find out. Anyway, Dillinger's opponent here is the former Mr. Indiana great moniker, Tom Lynch. Remember Mr. Indiana? That's what everyone talks <laughs> oh, about. Oh, yeah. So, Hot. so famous. 
Sam unplugs a cable, and you can hear like an unplugged cable noise now. Referee Henry Van Loon checks Lynch. The show's just going off the rails. We have a bell. Lynch with a few takedowns. Dillinger bells out. And I take this opportunity to look up these clowns. And yes, apparently, Mark Manson was the manager of Angela Poffo and Kenny Dillinger. And nice of him to show up in the last <laughs> match, huh? <laughs> and their team name? The Graduates. So, was Genius part of the new class? I don't Is that what it was? <laughs> like, The Graduates, the new class? Is this a reference to that movie? Um, Mrs. Robinson, you're Mrs. trying to yeah. seduce me? Yeah. Is Maybe? this what? Kung Manson? Manson? Yeah. Yes, because he apparently... like California uh -huh. 60s kind uh -huh. of thing. Yeah. Side so headlock on the map by Lynch as Sam Menica reminds us we're watching All-Star Championship Wrestling. You need to remind us that this is wrestling because it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, so bad. He's like, I just want to remind you, you're watching All-Star Championship Wrestling. This is not men rolling around. It's wrestling. <laughs> anyway, Manson distracts the ref, which allows Dillinger to pull some hair and escape the headlock. I hate this. <laughs> Dillinger is able to choke Lynch with a chain, though, and he keeps in his tights, all while hiding it from the big, fat, stupid ref. World best ref can't figure it out. What a fraud. By the way, we didn't even note that they, like, announced the yeah, ref. the like, referees. The world's yeah. best ref to ever exist. <laughs> like, he's just some fat guy in a fucking stripey shirt. You're like, what are you doing? What? Best ref. What? More choking and walking and hiding as I just look up more shit. This had to be September of 74 or after, and I'll tell you why. Because that's when Goulet and Fargo won the tag belts. I see. So at least it's that. And if you care, they won them from Wilbur Snyder, the Booker, and Pepper Gomez. Good. Anyway, <laughs> Lynch finally has enough of this shit and gets Dillinger into the corner with his own choking. Who cares? <laughs> this is <sighs> Beal tossed by Lynch, but Dillinger lands by Mason and they have a talk. Thrilling. How long must this go on? Why is everything so long? <laughs> It's so long! Lynch with a big single leg here, but Manson swats at him, which allows Dillinger to grab the chain, nail Lynch with it, and finally get the win. A bunch of ass. Sam Maneker does not condone their actions, but he admits that they work well together as a team. I don't condone this show. <laughs> it's really bad, yeah. Quinn. I'm sorry. Back to Sam in the basement, who reminds us that the show is on every single week at the same channel, Channel 3. How are they on TV every week with this garbage? <laughs> Seriously. Sam's like, just keep watching, okay? Right, yeah. And I like it. At least Please. He's, at least he's honest, you know? Yeah. We should say that. OVP, just keep listening. Yeah, just, exactly. Next week, Monday, it'll be on again. Mm -hmm. Just keep listening, folks. Anyway, we now bring in Chief Bold Eagle, who says Johnny Starr and Ox Baker stink butt. He's like a shitty Chief J. Strongbow, basically. Yeah, it's the same thing. And yeah. it's not the other Bold. There's like another Bold Eagle. I looked this up. It's not bold that one. Bold Bold? Bold Eagle. It's not even the real Bold Eagle. It's a different Bold Eagle. It's all bad. Anyway, he has a new partner, but he's not going to say who it is yet, because fuck you. Okay, Tatanka, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. Sam says that, you know, that's great. Let's go back to the ringside. At least it was short. Wilbur Snyder is ringside now with Sam, and he's here to make sure that a certain foreign wrestler isn't taken advantage of. Wilbur is on the mic, and he says, the ringside twice, so maybe he was uh, hanging out with Stu Hart earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, we have some kind of tussle breaking out here. Oh, it's Baron Von Roschka. Of course it is. Like, yep. of course he's here with Bobby Heenan, and they're taking on, or Baron's taking on Andre the Giant. And Andre just lurking around stupidly in the corner, not caring, wearing like a cowboy vest. <laughs> yeah, remember, you've seen his early vest oh, before, yeah. right? He's like skinnier. It looks yeah. like he should be in the Princess Bride now with yes, that getup. Yes, exactly. Like, he looks really dumb. Look at spot like me. <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. They don't have cowboys in Grenoble, do they? In the French cowboys. Do they? <laughs> the, the French Wild West or something. French cows. Yeah, where where is the west of France? Where would that be? Germany? I don't know. What's west Actually, of France? That'd be near the ocean. The so ocean. Like yeah, the isn't it coastal? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Wilbur Snyder has been laid out with brass knuckles, courtesy of the Baron. Good. Why was he even here? 
I don't know. Andre looks very good here, by the way, as he chases Barry. Like, very mobile, very uh-huh. young giant, 28 or something. Sam's very concerned with the bloody Snyder on the outside. Well, he should have gotten involved. Why does Andre need to help? He's Andre the Giant. Like... <laughs> <laughs> this fucking Snyder's like, I'm going to help him. Yeah, what? <laughs> no, why? The Booker poking his nose like, in again. He doesn't know English or something, so that's uh, why he needs help. I don't know. Uh, I think being big, it doesn't matter if you know how to fucking speak yeah, anything. He can punch in French. Right. <laughs> Sam's like, the blood's just pouring out of his head in, in the ring now. Andre with a beel toss and a big chop on the Baron. Huge body slam by Andre gets a big pop. As I wonder how much money Vince Sr. made for this booking. Yeah, he already had Andre by 74. I think he did, right? It wasn't did he already... like from the beginning. He wasn't in America until, you yeah. know, Vince hooked up with him. I forget, but yeah, it was early. It was Vince early. Senior. Vince Senior, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam is still going on and on about all the blood with Wilbur. It's a river of blood, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. the killing. The favorite, <laughs> the best part about wrestling yes. or whatever. The river of blood and the killing. Yeah. Uh, one headbutt by Andre, who calls, <laughs> Sam calls him Andre Rusimov. Says this a lot. <laughs> I guess we're in that in-between phase where they're still saying right. his real name. Exactly. But anyway, a second headbutt. We get a shot of Wilbur being tended to at ringside by the EMTs. Irish whip, a big backdrop by Andre. Man, Andre is just kicking the Baron's stupid ass, huh? He is. Like, no he, offense. Not even a fight. Nothing. Yeah. Bobby briefly makes a fuss on the outside before just calmly sitting in a chair. It's, it's just funny. Like Baron lost. <laughs> yeah. It's over. It's like I'm it. screwed. Yeah. Uh, more headbutts by Andre. As Sam Maneker explains, this was supposed to be a two out of three falls match, which is what Andre, the, the giant, wanted here. Andre Rusimov wanted. Yes. But Bobby, the manager, made it a one fall, and that's why Wilbur got all pissy. I see. Who cares, though? Yeah, shut up. Gives a shit. Anyway, Andre with a side backbreaker, two count only. Andre is just dominating the match, and the crowd is totally fine yeah, with that. Yeah, they love it. They're like they're like they're cheering him, just kicking this guy's ass. <laughs> yeah, like nonsense. It's literally, folks. You know that phrase, like pillar to post. Yeah, Andre just beating the shit out of Baron. No offense, <laughs> nothing. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, more punches and headbutts as Sam calls Andre Rusimov the Polish giant. I say that's what they were going to call him. I've never heard that one. I mean, to it's be not even f- Polish. He's not. He was born in France, and his his parents were immigrants. To France, Romania, I think offhand, and Poland, but still, no one has ever called him Andre the Polish Giant. They were trying to get it to stick. I guess it didn't work. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. One stick. (laughs) (laughs) Big splash by Andre, and now he attacks the legs like a very fiery Rick Martell or something. Mm -hmm. Like, he's doing the big face comeback. Yeah. Not even comeback, but like, he's acting like, like a Rick Martell type. He's very new. He is. I don't know how. Uh, Anyway, Bobby Heenan is also able finally to trip Andre, and now the Baron finally does something. It's shitty nails level choking. And by the way, the Baron looks like he's 57 already. You know, you say that, but I thought he looked very mobile here, oddly. Mobile, but old. uh, Yeah. Well, I think it's just his look. Old. He's a guy that shaved shaved his head young, and so you really can't tell his age. Like Patrick Stewart? Yeah. I thought he was old like 30 years ago. Wasn't Patrick Stewart during like Star Trek not even that old? Probably like like 45 or something. It's like he looks like he's 60. Yeah, always. Yeah. That's why like now he doesn't look like he's aged that much. He's just gotten a little more wrinkly and skinnier. How old? He's probably like... I just saw him in a commercial for, um, so for like Uber Eats or something. <laughs> like, it's like Tomato or yeah, whatever yes. uh, with like Luke Skywalker who looks oh, like he's a hundred now. He's eighty. Yeah, it's Patrick cr- Stewart. 
You would think he's only 60 now. Yeah. yeah like, seriously. See, it's, again, the, the advantage of shaving your head early. Absolutely right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, Baron literally falls over Andre before getting back up and biting him. Wilbur Snyder then runs in with a stupid bandage on his head and beats the shit out of the Baron. Come on. Why is this necessary? Andre's, like, kicking ass. <laughs> I'm really not liking Wilbur Snyder on this he's show. He's really annoying. Too much yeah. with him. He thinks well, I own the place, <laughs> like, so fuck yeah. it. I can do whatever I want. I don't see Dick the Bruiser in anything. He's trying to get on in on this Andre hype. Yeah, like, get the hell out of here, yeah. Wilbur. Anyway, abdominal stretch on Baron, but Bobby runs in to break that shit up. Andre catches Bobby, though, but Bobby with an eye gouge to Andre. That's very weird, like Bobby getting offense on Andre. Weird. yeah. Really weird. Another abdominal stretch. It's the second one now by Wilbur. Andre's recovering. Bobby breaks it up again. And once again, the world's greatest ref can't do shit. <laughs> Wilbur continues to not sell anything as he attacks the Baron. Sam warns us that we're running out of TV time. How long is this ending? <laughs> Andre is still recovering as Snyder now does a third abdominal stretch and Bobby breaks it again. Can Snyder stop doing the same fucking thing to Baron like every time? That was annoying me. I yeah. know like Wilbur's the face, but he just literally folks keeps running in and putting on his stupid abdominal Which stretch. Which is not even a thing. It's not even a good he, like, move. He invented it, so he's proud of it. Shut up. He, it's <laughs> real. Please. Strange Wilbur Schneider. Anyway, <laughs> Sam's like, I don't know what's in the giant's eyes, but he can't move. That's kind of like the precursor to Axe's eyes are closed. Right, you know? exactly. But Axe so, figured it out for real. Yeah, well, he's friends with Andre. Uh -huh. Anyway, Snyder with a fourth fucking abdominal stretch. Mm. It's not even a good finisher. It's terrible. <laughs> what the hell? I just stop. Bobby runs in again, but this time Andre chases him around. Bobby bails the hell out of the ring, and we just get our closing credits over that festive song again. Thank goodness. Whew. This was, um, this is weird. It wasn't good. It was interesting, though, but not good. It was, I like seeing early Bobby. I like seeing early Andre, and I certainly didn't expect three genius gimmicks. That's all I have to say. Every single thing on this was way too long. It's just so much 70s shit, and not in a good way. It's just like, <laughs> is it over yet? Like, you know, like you're asking this in the middle of every match, and the endings to every match would go way over. Wilbur Snyder, too much. Yeah, he needs to go away. <laughs> Four abdominal stretches, plus the one that he won the match with. We get it. You really like the move. Is the move. God. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Yeah. It's like you think he's doing the stunner. Yeah. This is 97 Steve Austin. Terrible. Terrible. Anyway. Horrible. And next week, something better. We have to. I'm yeah, not, I'm not that, watching that again. Quinn, on behalf of myself, I apologize. <laughs> okay? okay. I'm very sorry for this. I thought it would be good because sometimes stuff is, but this was not. But folks, we still hope you enjoyed hanging here with OVPs. We have romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again for another week. Next week, we're coming back with episode number 198, another Royal Flush. But in the meantime, do a few things, okay? Follow us on Twitter if you don't, at OVP Podcast. Also, if you want to donate and support us and get a lot of extra stuff, hundreds of extra shows, patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. If you have Apple Podcasts, iTunes, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. But until next week, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. Keep listening. See ya. Now, fans, uh, we are ready to get underway with a, a very important interview. And here we have the world's tag team champions, the Legionnaires, Sergeant Jacques Goulet and Private Don Fargo. Now, speaking of mail, we've been getting a lot of mail from the fans, gentlemen, uh, wondering how both of you got together. Now, of course, uh, we know that uh, Sergeant Goulet is a native of Marseille, France. You are an American. I know that the Foreign Legion, called the Legion of Strangers, have many people from all parts of the world. Would you explain how you met? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you, because I'm the sergeant, 
Well, I wasn't a foreign legion like you know and all the people knows, or if you don't know, I don't care. I've been there for five years, and I did my time, and here come Fargo. After, I don't know how easy he get there. I never ask him. It's not my business. You know one thing, Manneker, when we join the foreign legion, nobody asks you any question. Is that just why it's called the Legion of Strangers, is that right? Yes, it is. And when you join, you just sign a contract, and the time is for five years. And that's all I met Fargo. We got friends together. I wasn't... Will you stop? stop, stop, stop.